Welcome to the Armani Talks podcast. I'm your host, Armani Talks. In this podcast, I'm helping you level up your communication skills every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. If this is your first time on the channel, welcome aboard. Every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm dropping new content on public speaking, storytelling, improving your social presence, and much more. Join the tribe by hitting the subscribe button, hit that bell notification, and never miss another video again. Today, we are back for Unapologetic Truths, episode 18, with Harsh Strongman, Life Math Money. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. And you've been busy since our last time working on some products. Yeah, so currently we just released the third module of the Teach Yourself Crypto course. Although when I say third, we'd already released the fourth and the fifth one earlier. We just did a major update to the third one and we made it from a small module to a complete module on Web3. So currently the Teach Yourself Crypto course is finally finished. The V1 is over. It covers awesome. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Web3, decentralized finance, and privacy coins. So someone who knows nothing about Bitcoin, like they have no idea what is a hash, can start at module one and in 100 hours, finish all the five modules and consider themselves an expert who can teach the subject to someone else in just 100 hours for free with teachyourselfcrypto.com. And you can now get a verified certificate if you pay us 10 bucks. So that's pretty cool. So for your resume or LinkedIn, whatever, but the education is free. The certificate helps us, you know, run the site. Congratulations. So how was it getting everything created? How was the process? It took a while. So do you remember I told you I'm going to create the course back in March of 2021, last year? And mm -hmm. back then I thought, oh, I'll finish Bitcoin, Ethereum and decentralized finance in one month. And it took three of us working for an entire year to finish all of it. <laughs> so it's definitely very long. It took us a long time to make. The curriculum itself is 100 hours long. So you can watch it in one month if you are serious about it. But, you know, when you're making the curriculum, for example, to make content worth 30 minutes, you have to watch content worth three hours. So for us to create the course, it took a long time. But now that it's done, we're going to work on improving everything, streamlining the education, adding better videos and topics. And it's a complete education in everything crypto from scratch. So I'm telling you, even your grandma could learn everything <laughs> about crypto and become an expert if she does our course. It's 100 hours long. It's one of those equal opportunity, unequal outcomes type thing where some people just don't take action. If you want to learn about crypto, this is the place to start. But if you, a lot of people, you know, they keep saying I want to learn, but they never actually want to learn. So yeah, that mm -hmm. type of person is not going to make it in the future. But for the people who are doers, this course is for you. You will be an expert in 100 hours if you finish the course and it's free. So it's, there's nothing, there's no barrier. If you have internet and you can speak English, this course is for you. Has there been a certain type of students that you've had? Are they mainly a certain model or are a variety of people taking this course? A variety of people. So we have people who are in crypto taking the course in the sense that they know about Bitcoin, but they want to learn about Ethereum, DeFi, etc. 
we have people who have some knowledge but want more we also have people who are complete noobs who have no idea what coding is what bitcoin is what a hash is like they don't even know the basics and they can take the course because we cover everything from scratch so we have had students from basically all backgrounds right i mean if you take me my background was that i knew computer science but i didn't know crypto and in the process of making the course i learned everything crypto one of our co-founders sergio he's an engineer and he knew quite a bit about crypto when he started the course with me and his knowledge also improved as he learned more about other currencies and bitcoin he learned about ethereum web3 decentralized finance privacy coins etc and our third founder ash knew nothing she doesn't know code and she wasn't a crypto person so for her it was complete education from scratch and she was able to understand everything and now she could teach anyone so she is an expert at the topics now i think having ash in the teach yourself crypto course is a game changer because now you have that perspective of a complete noob yeah so what she was doing was me and sergey were making the course and ash's job was to watch the final curriculum that we had selected and created and then give us feedback whether she understood or not you know because if you uh, if you already know a certain topic for example arman you knew, you know about say public speaking and then i might just say some words that you might understand instant instantly but someone who is not in the field someone who's never given a speech before they might even they might not even know what you're talking about for example if i say filler words you will know what i mean and i might casually for if i'm teaching public speaking i might casually just use the word filler word and mm. the someone who doesn't know anything about public speaking they're going to be like hey what is this what does this word mean so having a noob on the project made things much smoother in that regard because we were able to truly make it for beginners without sacrificing depth because we teach everything from scratch and build up it's interesting you brought up the public speaking example because when i first started armani talks i was giving away a lot of these free consultation sessions to see what people struggled with and i recall there was this one guy that had a best man speech coming up and i was just using a complete beginner phrase like what's your opener what's your closer and this guy was like opener and closer i have no clue what that means like for this guy since he was such a beginner he viewed a speech as just a block he didn't view it like a sandwich where it's opener middle closer so that's when i learned that oh whoa opener and closer are pretty much language that a public speaker uses but the common person doesn't use it hey even i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what's an opener and a closer so opener is basically what you say in order to get the person's attention because with public speaking a lot of people are physically present but mentally they're off with their problems and in la la land so an opener is pretty much designed to get the person's attention and give a preview of what the speech is about and the closer is pretty much the ending of your speech where you pretty much wrap up give a summary of everything that you discussed and possibly just give a call to action so these two make the designing the middle portion a lot easier and it depends how you want to do it it's a creative process but just view it as a sandwich closer middle and opener mm interesting so out of curiosity as you've been doing uh, teach yourself crypto you also have been doing a website course as well 
how's that going yeah so i've had a lot of people ask me how to build a website not just on lmm but also people i know in real life and some business partners who i work with and finally i decided to make a quick course on how to do a website so you know some people think it's a super simple process because they've done it before but people who have never done anything like this for them it's very overwhelming what domain to pick what host to pick how to set it up properly how to make sure it's secure that it won't get hacked what plugins to install what is even wordpress they don't know they don't know what a cdn is so i decided to make a course which will cover all of that so it's basically a for noobs course that's going to show you everything about websites in a basic way so that you can get started and you know create your first site i'm about 30% through with the course i think if all goes well we should launch in the first week of april oh nice it's coming up yeah it's coming up and it's going to be a pretty cheap course because it's a very simple topic mm-hmm. but it, yeah it's, i think it it'll be very useful especially for people who are just starting out on the internet because it can be very overwhelming especially if you know if you're a non-tech person you know you see all these terms like hosting domain and on the internet you see a lot of bad advice being thrown around like what hosting should you pick a lot of articles would recommend some eig host like bluehost or something and nothing wrong oh, with that they're not bad but they aren't good There's this company called EIG. Are you aware of it? Sounds familiar. So what they do is they buy out hosting companies. They strip away most of the resources over the years, and uh, you're left with like a shell of the company. And they try to retain as many customers of the original company as possible, while not giving them proper hosting. At least that is the general opinion, and I've experienced it where I've used an EIG host company. and their service sucks their customer service sucks their hosting is not that fast and <clears throat> sorry they try to charge for everything so that is what a lot of noobs end up doing they buy these eig hosts for hosting and they suffer later and i get it because most of the popular hosts are run by eig like almost mm-hmm. all the popular companies are owned by EIG because they keep they're in the business of buying hosting companies and then all the noobs what they do is they have bad experiences with the first company and they vote with their wallet they vote mm-hmm. with their wallet and go to a different company which they don't know but is also owned by EIG it's the same infrastructure same customer service same thing just different sales page from what i can tell and yeah so it's like <laughs> from the frying pan to the frying pan <laughs> right they have no clue what's your no th- have you heard of kajabi no it's one of those website builders with all in one and it's predominantly if you have courses where you can manage your courses your community all in one package it's called kajabi and a couple of months back i was like yo man this seems awesome where with wordpress you got a get a lot of these different plugins and sometimes they don't all talk to each other or with kajabi everything is under one roof but then i started to read some you know articles and forums on people's experience with kajabi and they brought up this one fault which i wasn't even thinking about 
And it's that if you're joining a place like Kajabi, one of those all-in-one systems, you're pretty much trusting this company with a lot of your content. And nowadays, with all these different companies getting so political, just banning people out of nowhere, I started to think, huh, do I really want a central approach to my content? So that's why I stuck with WordPress rather than Kajabi. But I wonder if you had any thoughts on that. I think it's a bad idea to trust one company with everything. Especially in today's environment, you say something they don't like and you get kicked off. Like, have you heard of Stefan Mulanio? Yes. He got kicked out of MailChimp. Someone just tweeted that this guy is a white supremacist. And then MailChimp was like, hey, we can't have that. And they deleted his account. So that was outright censorship. And it can happen to anyone. You can be plain vanilla and get banned for pissing off the wrong people. So it doesn't make sense to have everything on one company. Divide it up and take lots of backups. The thing with Kajabi and places like this is that it's not even portable in the sense that a WordPress website, I can fire up a WordPress website on any host I want. So if I get if I don't like one host, I can take my WordPress website to a different host. With Kajabi and these technologies, which are owned by the single company, if you get banned from there, you have to start from scratch. Right. Didn't you have an issue recently with one of your accounts with BitChute? Oh yeah, BitChute. I got banned from BitChute for quote-unquote severe policy violations, which is really interesting because BitChute goes by, like they're essentially USP is that we are a free speech platform. And my content on YouTube is very plain vanilla. And I post exactly the same stuff that I post on YouTube to BitChute. And YouTube is the company that's normally known for its censorship, right? Mm-hmm. And so far, I have not been banned from YouTube or ever gotten a strike. And my content is pretty pretty chill on YouTube. If you watched it, it's just ra- general stuff, self-improvement, nothing controversial too much. It's a tamed version of Life Math Money. Yeah, it's a pretty tame version of Life Math Money. The untamed version is on Telegram. So the tame version of Life Math Money is on YouTube. And I haven't ever been... I've had no problems with YouTube so far. I comply with their policies or whatever. And I post the exact same content to BitChute, which is a free speech platform, which supposedly doesn't censor like YouTube does. And I get banned <laughs> from BitChute. <laughs> severe policy even... violations. <laughs> yeah, they said severe policy violations. And they don't even tell me what policy. Did they say what content piece it was? No, let me try logging in. Maybe they do somewhere. Let, let me see. BitChute.com. If I try to log in. To my account. Yeah, I would assume that you get banned on YouTube before a place like BitChute. No, they deleted my ID. So it says, please enter correct username and ID. How? What the fuck? Also, they completely took you off. Yeah, they took me off. So earlier they said, um, you have been banned for severe policy violations. Then Then they sent me an email saying that your ID will be deleted tomorrow. And if you want to appeal this, send an email here. When I sent an email there, they told me, you don't have to send an email here. You have to send an email here instead. And then by the time one day had passed, and it looks like today my ID is not yet here. Like it's gone. Wait a minute. So are you posting the same exact videos from YouTube onto BitChute? So I'm not manually posting anything. They integrate with YouTube's API and they automatically take the videos from YouTube. 
Dude, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. I'm actually thinking about that right now. So I've never used BitChute before. So pardon me if this is a beginner's question. But are you getting your tweets and posting it there too? No, no, no. It's just my YouTube videos automatically being taken from YouTube. Yeah, I'm looking at your YouTube channel right now and nothing seems like, oh, whoa, this is severe policy violations. Yeah, it makes zero sense whatsoever. It's just like either I got accidentally flagged by some algo, but that makes zero sense, right? If you're, if your algo is doing the same thing what YouTube is doing, then you have no right to claim <laughs> that you're a free speech platform. Why does it seem like these free speech platforms, I'm doing air quotes, find themselves in these predicaments. Uh, have you heard of uh, the DuckDuckGo controversy recently? Oh, yeah. Those guys are idiots. You know what he did? I'll let, I'll let you summarize it. Okay, well, you may want to summarize it because I just saw the outrage regarding it, and that's when I Googled it. But prior to that, I don't use DuckDuckGo. I don't know anything about it, but I do know you're a user for it, right? I was a user for it. Okay, well, here's my interpretation regarding it and you may want to go more in depth i heard that the founder of duckduckgo is taking away information that apparently is russian misinformation quote unquote yes but for duckduckgo their primary selling point is that they don't skew any search results they don't put their political opinions on the search results they just let the search engine do its thing so when people found out about that they were just like yo man your tweet, the founder tweeted that he's going to be, you know, filtering the information. Your tweet literally goes against the only reason why people use DuckDuckGo. Yeah, it's like, you know, your ex producing something like fertility pills, like this is going to have help you get more babies or something. It's like completely against what the company is about, at least from a customer's perspective, because I know they are technically just supposed to be about privacy. But they're also pretty much used because they don't censor search results in the sense that when you go to YouTube, sorry, when you go to Facebook, um, what's the company's name? Google. And you search for something like, is climate change real? Google will essentially downgrade any search result that says it's fake and upgrade any search results that says it's real. And they do this for a lot of things. So Google is known for very manipulated search results. They push up news organizations, push down individual blogs, etc. And DuckDuckGo wasn't doing that. And a lot of people were using DuckDuckGo simply because they were unbiased. Or they at least, if they were biased, it was not known. And this guy suddenly shows up and then the CEO. And he tweets out that he's going to be censoring the results of DuckDuckGo to make sure that no quote-unquote Russian misinformation gets through. Of course, there is never an explanation of how you determine whether something is Russian misinformation or not. And it's always Russian misinformation they want to you know, censor. They never want to censor American misinformation or leftist misinformation. Everything that's misinformation is everything the left doesn't like. That's the definition of misinformation. Because mm. if you take the whole um, uh, the vaccination situation... Anyone who doesn't like vaccine was misinformed and evil, whatever. So anything the left doesn't like is misinformation. And they, basically what this guy was doing was suicide. Like his company was committing suicide. Because the reason people use DuckDuckGo 
was they didn't want any of the censorship, right? They didn't trust the censorship. They don't like all these media companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, whoever yeah. making these decisions for the user. I want to see the misinformation. Let me decide if it's not misinformation or let me decide if it's misinformation or not. Yeah, I don't want using, you to do it. Sorry. Yeah, well, if I'm using DuckDuckGo, I don't give a fuck about your opinion, CEO. I don't even want to know what you look like. You stay faceless. I just want to focus on DuckDuckGo. What happens with a lot of these companies is that they self-implode, where they show their faces too much. And I think in this era, there's still a position for being a faceless company, where, uh, what was it, like around 2015 to 2016, uh, do you remember James Comey from the FBI? Who? James Comey. No. Well, he was doing a lot of this research with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And prior to James Comey, whenever I thought of the FBI, I thought of something that was top tier. I'm talking high quality, badasses. And one of the reasons that I thought that was because there was no particular face associated with the FBI. It was just this emblem that allowed for imagination. But around mm. 2015, 2016, I kept seeing this James Comey guy's face. And I think he was the head of the FBI. And the more that I heard about him, the more that I'm like, this guy doesn't seem too competent to me. He seems like he has too many emotions. He doesn't seem like someone that I would expect to be in the FBI. And that started to skew my perception of the entire FBI branch. I liked it when it was faceless. I didn't want to see a face associated with that. So in this era, I think there's certain companies that shouldn't try to turn into personal brands. Stay faceless. I don't want to know about your political beliefs. I don't know, want to know anything about you. I just want the service at hand. Hmm. Interesting. I totally see what you mean about that. I know what you mean. I think the Comey guy was the guy who was investigating Trump for Russia, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then he couldn't find anything or something like that. Right. But just hearing him talk so much, getting familiarized with him, I didn't like that whole process. I get it if he has to show his face every now and then. But I do think there's value in certain companies uh, being faceless, where the CEO isn't that well known and they're behind the scenes kind of guys. Yeah, I don't. I think there is perceived value in that. But at the end of the day, if you are run by idiots, you are run by idiots, whether people know that or not. It's just that you are not exposed if you don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I, I know what you're talking about. I think even the, this, the whole CIA thing, they, they're, they're posting videos of how they're making, um, what do you call it? transgender people the ones with power and it's a joke like i used to think all these guys must have been super competent but turns out they're just as idiotic as everyone else mm -hmm. and it's just they're they're resting on their laurels or their old reputation but i would be very surprised very surprised if they are super comp competent even today and my thing is i don't want to be aware of, of how incompetent you are you see, where, so a couple of years ago, Harsh, I ran this one fitness brand and I was anonymous. It was on Instagram. It ended up being pretty popular. And this brand predominantly talked about uh, fitness sports, extreme sports, 
Okay. And mm-hmm. during that time, I understood the whole value of being anonymous, where it wasn't like Armani talks where my face was out there. It was behind the scenes. I was running a community. I mean, people from different extreme sports, calisthenics, those burpee stuff. At the how is calisthenics an extreme sport? Calisthenics, not as much. I, I'm trying to think of the word, but I can't think of it right now. I thought but, extreme sports was stuff like jumping off a mountain and stuff like that. No, it, it wasn't necessarily that. Uh, it's something more in the middle ground where you know those uh, you know those workouts where you have a ball, you're like tossing it, you're getting a hammer, and you're hitting a tire with it. Ah, those I know, type I know. Of workouts. That's what my brand predominantly focused on. Yes. So being behind the scenes and just keeping the content number one and not keeping my political beliefs number one allowed for different walks of life to come into the brand, interact, participate, tag the hashtag, etc. But the minute if I'm like, all right, well, now it's time to uh, be extremely political, that's no longer keeping the content number one. And I guess certain people's idea where they're like, well, you got to speak up for your beliefs. Every now and then, yeah, I see the case for that. But other times, you got to keep your business number one and keep a lot of the political garbage nowadays out of it. Yeah, you got to speak up for your beliefs applies to if if what you're doing is about spreading your beliefs. For example, life math money is about my beliefs, right? So for me, I I should speak up for my beliefs. But if I was doing something like selling shoes with the brand of Nike, then it would be very stupid for me to actually start, you know, publicizing my views and putting the company in the line of fire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not in the business of selling shoes, but if I was, then you would hear far less from me. Right. Well, that's why I was asking you about the teach yourself crypto, where I wanted to see what sort of walks of life come in. And it seems like all types of walks of life come in. So that's a tad bit different than life math money. Yeah, crypto has this advantage that typically the people who are interested in crypto, they tend to be very free speech because of the nature of what crypto is, right? All the Mm -hmm. non-free speech people hate crypto anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? Crypto is about freedom. It's like... It's like freedom in a way, in terms of money. It's about breaking away from the hold the government has on, has on your wallet. So yes. all the people who are interested in crypto tend to be very free speech. And even if they disagree with me, they are not people who are going to be like, I'm offended. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> well, that's the and, biggest difference between a life math money brand versus a Kmart. Do you have a Kmart over there? Or Walmart. What's a Kmart? A Walmart. I've heard of Walmart. I don't know what Kmart is. Is it similar? It's similar. Where that's a faceless brand. While with Life Mad Money, I mean, people tune in to hear your beliefs. So I think that I, I definitely do see a role for that in the ecosystem. I just think the problem nowadays is that even faceless brands who are best left faceless are putting their political opinions into the mix. Uh, and alienating their core customers where that's not needed. I I do see value in a faceless brand staying faceless and just keeping the service number one. Do you know the most faceless brand that I can think of? Which one? Nestle. 
Like they do the craziest thing. <laughs> they, they they're actually known for having slaves in Africa and employing like children, etc. Or I think they had like slaves in Africa. I'm not sure. And I they were the selling chocolate like, company. Yeah, they are. But where does chocolate come from? So, yeah, and mm. I think they also have had many controversies where controversies where they were selling like baby formula. but the formula was supposed to only like last so long as the woman's breast milk runs out so in the sense mm-hmm. that if you don't feed a baby breast milk for like a certain period of time then you won't produce breast milk anymore so they would like give away away trials of these breast milk sorry this baby formula only until the mom's uh tits run out what you know, go dry so then they're forced to keep buying the baby formula and the baby formula apparently was not great for children's health and you know what they would do they would have actors dress up as nurses and then distribute the baby formula in hospitals so all these uneducated women in third world countries would assume that she must be a doctor and they would think the baby formula is healthy without realizing that that's just an just a guy who is wearing a uniform as like an actor and he's just distributing formula <laughs> okay i never knew that about nestle I think that's an actual faceless corporation. I think they're not even like backing out of the whole uh, what, what is it? Ukraine, Russia thing. They don't care. I love that about Nestle. I don't like Nestle as a company, but mm-hmm. I like their no fucks given attitude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I, and that's the thing. That's even wise for a company stance because most people wouldn't even know about what you just said if they you know were getting so freaking involved where people are like well, let's look into nestle let's do further research into them let's see the blood uh, blood that they have on their hands yeah imagine nestle going political <laughs> 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 i would like to see but i don't think nestle well they're too smart like they i think they're they've had this experience of being into controversies so much that they've realized how to deal with this kind of stuff And by the way I don't like Nestle I'm just like talking about them as how they're behaving. Right. Like they do the craziest shit and they just get away with it. I recall Nike being like that for a while where I didn't hear too much political stuff from them. But during that time one of the biggest controversies with them was the a child labor that they had in China where apparently a lot of the shoes that's made in China were made by young kids. I'm talking 7, 8, and that was a big controversy a uh, I was a decade ago. And it's still even a controversy nowadays. Hmm, interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, although I'm not sure whether if it's exactly Nike's fault or not in the sense that if you just go to China and then you place an order for something, you don't know who's making it. You just know mm-hmm. the factory guy, right? So right. they might have known or they might not have known but i think a company like nike would probably have known just like i i'm pretty sure nestle knew that it was hiring child labor and knows it's still doing it indirectly it's But similar with it's similar with diamonds i watched about nestle so i'm pretty sure they're still doing the child labor thing but i think they do it indirectly now where they have contractors and the contractor arranges the labor so they just pay the contractor so technically have... it's not like nestle directly hiring them but i'm not sure 
I'm not an expert in Nestle. You're going to have so many people researching Nestle right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think Nestle is it's pretty common knowledge, isn't it? Let me see Nestle child labor. Oh, you search Nestle child it says labor. Nestle child labor then I go to Yeah, so apparently they were facing a child labor child slavery lawsuit as well. And yeah, you just don't know. So Nestle to pay coca farmers to stop using child labor. But I think they've been doing this. Like they've been saying this for a while. And typically they just come out with some kind of workaround. Because, you know, it's just much cheaper to have child labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's another one? You ever heard about the controversy with diamonds? Where it's not child labor, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on in places like Africa where you can get the diamonds there but there's a lot of labor with hands that you need to do there's a movie on this called Blood Diamond and Leonardo DiCaprio's in it I've heard of Blood Diamonds I thought you- that meant like companies going and killing the locals to gather diamonds in the area or something like that That's one part of it where a lot of the diamonds that you get it it is from violence where you're stealing it you're looting it you're robbing it and there's another one where people are apparently dying on the fields to get the resources you know diamonds are such a scam where a diamond is essentially just a stone and it's actually worthless there's so much diamond in the world that diamonds are worthless and the only reason they have value is because of extremely good advertising and also because more than 95 or like some some very very big like 99 or some number of percentage of diamonds are controlled by one company like they own almost all of the diamond supply called dbers this company is called dbers and they do all these advertising like when you get married you have to get a diamond 3 months of salary etc and it's essentially a scam and you know it's a scam because see when you buy gold and you try to sell gold you get the value of gold right mhm but when you buy a diamond you pay the full price but when you try to sell it they don't give you any money for it oh they don't they don't they give you a dirt price basically they, they don't want to buy it back they just want to sell it it has no resale value because it's a scam it's just marketing every kiss begins with a k have you ever heard of that before what so k Jewelry is a very popular jewelry store uh, in the US and one of their famous marketing schemes is every kiss begins with a k and they have such unique advertisements on the importance of diamonds so it gets people's imaginations especially if you're being proposed to you want a, a diamond from k jewelry store but their diamonds are expensive all diamonds are expensive especially if you're doing it for weddings Yeah diamonds it's it's a marketing based scam it's a, it's just a stone that's available in abundance like there's so much diamond in the world that if you find a diamond field dbers is going to buy it because they just want to control the supply because that's their business and uh, yeah it's just marketed heavily towards women like you need a diamond that's how much your man loves you etc it's mm-hmm. a scam in fact i think this industry might actually be very disrupted by man-made diamonds artificial diamonds have you heard of that yes well i heard of those artificial earrings 
but not so artificial diamonds. You know what it, how, what a diamond is, right? Not not the details of it. If you want to explain that, so diamond is made of pure carbon, and what how it's made is that deep under the earth, under the extreme heat and pressure, carbon would fuse perfectly to become a stone, and that is what a diamond is. It's basically like carbon compressed, very under extreme heat and pressure, and you can do that at earth. Like you don't have to like wait thousands of years in the ground. You can make that in labs by just taking up some carbon and then compressing it under extreme heat. And those diamonds are much cheaper and essentially identical to natural diamonds. Yes. Wait, Harsh, are you talking about cubic zircona? Who? Zirconia. Cubic zirconia. Here, Google image this real quick. I'm sending it to you on our chat. One sec. Cubic zirconia. No, I mean an actual diamond. Hmm. Okay, I don't know what this is, but like, check this, like, artificial diamond. So this is basically the same thing as a real diamond, except that it was made in a lab. And DBRs is trying very hard to come up with some kind of technology to differentiate artificial diamonds from natural diamonds, because they want to sell their scam. It's called synthetic diamond, artificial laboratory made diamond. I'm putting it. Do in you the think chart. the man? Do you think the man-made ones would be expensive, like these ones? They're much cheaper. They are not cheap, but they are much much cheaper than the natural ones. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's all a scam. Oh, okay. So harsh. Let me just tell you a funny story. I would say, when I was an undergrad, this was a couple of years back. I had a girlfriend at the time who kept giving me hints that she wanted diamond earrings. She's like, you know, Armani, it'll be really nice if I got some diamond earrings for my birthday. So I Google Googled it, and these were expensive, especially for a college kid. And eventually, after she kept dropping the hints, I was like, listen, I can't afford that right now. I'm just a college student. She's like, no, 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 Armani. I don't need the actual thing. I just need the cubic zirconia. And that's how I got introduced to the cubic zirconia, where you get similar looking earrings, diamond rings or whatever. It's not real, but the girls know it's not real. And they're completely fine with that. So it's like a fake diamond. It's a fake diamond, but it looks so real where it's something that's well established within the women community where they could look at it and they're like, oh, that's cubic zirconia, where they're not expecting a girl to always have real diamonds on. They only expect the girls to have real diamonds on for the big occasions. If they have a cubic zirconia wedding ring, then the other girls will judge them. But if they're having cubic zirconia earrings on for just going out to dinner, they won't judge them as much. That's apparently what I was told. Ah, interesting. <laughs> I didn't even yes. know this was a thing. <laughs> so when she said, no, no, Armani, you can give me the cubic zirconia. I was like, ah, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> How much does this cost? Let me see. It didn't cost much. I think it cost 40 bucks or so. Oh, that's cheap. Yeah, it, it is very cheap compared to the actual diamonds, which would have cost $2,000 or something. Damn. Do guys have something like that where we're, we know that it's not needed, but we just wear it to flex? Because that's all earrings are. Oh, no. Earrings look good in women. I like that. 
I've never like had that? a woman ask me to buy earrings, though. I think that's more of a very relationshipy thing, you know. See, I don't Not notice like the more, earrings. Um, casual thing. I'll notice lipstick, but I I don't care for the earrings too much. I think it's Indian culture. I I just like earrings. Like they make the face look beautiful, like on women. I think guys typically don't wear stuff like this, except maybe watches. Mm-hmm. But watches at least tell the time. <laughs> but that's what your phone does nowadays, doesn't it? That's true. So you don't wear any jewelry. Not really. I don't wear any jewelry. What about you? I wear I wear a bracelet every now and then. I wear a watch. Oh, that's a about watch, it. yeah, but I would not consider that jewelry. Do you consider it jewelry? Every now and then because I got the blinged out watches, they look fresh. So, ah. I like to see it as jewelry. <laughs> Did you ever have your ears pierced? No. <laughs> Sounds painful. <laughs> <laughs> for a while, it was a cool thing in the US for guys to get their ears pierced, but I didn't want to do it. So, I was like to the lady uh, who does pierced earrings, I was like, what's a workaround? Give me a workaround for this because I want to look cool. I just don't want to get them pierced. And they have a thing called magnetic piercings where you're not putting a hole through your ears. Instead, you put the earring on one side and you attach it with a magnet on the other side. So it looks real. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Is it not cool anymore? It's not cool like that anymore. I mean, if you have it, it is what it is, but it's not like, oh wow, this guy has his ears pierced. Ah, uh, see that's the problem with re- chasing all these trends, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like maybe 2 years from now the trend is going to go away. So if right. tomorrow the trend comes that you have to have some kind of permanent tattoo on your face. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get that done, what <laughs> about when the trend goes away? Then you're just a guy with the face tattoo. <laughs> now you're just a weirdo. Here's what happened. So I put the a magnetic earring on my right ear. And once I put that there, a lot of my friends are coming and they're like, yo, man, what'd you do? I was like, what do you mean? It's like, you put the earring on the right ear. That means you're gay. <laughs> so, so, so that's apparently consensus. Was that you put, <laughs> yeah. So apparently if you put your earring on your right ear, that signals to other people that you're gay. I didn't the know that. The only way to fix that, Arman, is that you also have to start identifying as a woman. <laughs> then you can be so, a gay woman and it works. Right? So I was like, oh, no, man. They're like, Armani, we can't believe you pierced it. I was like, all right, guys, I have a confession to make. I didn't really pierce it. It's just magnetic. So I, then I put it on my left ear and they're like, ah, come on, man. You didn't even get the real thing done. This <laughs> was the- being gay. <laughs> <laughs> What are the trend changes and now your left ear becomes gay? Dude, that's the thing. I mean, you're right with that, where when you chase these trends too much, you never know what's going to happen in five to six years. Where in the US now, so many guys are wearing skinny jeans, where these jeans look like they're painted on them. And they're like, well, this is the cool thing to do. Bro, you can't pay me to wear skinny jeans. I don't think I could even wear skinny jeans physically because my thighs are so big because of squats. Mm-hmm. Where regular size jeans look like skinny jeans on my thighs. You know what what's I mean? The, what's the style in India? I mean, do you guys have holes in your pants or skinny Some jeans? Some people do. It kind of looks weird, in, at least to me. 
Like I remember I was wearing those torn jeans once and my grandma was like, what's happening to you? Can't you afford normal jeans? Mm-hmm. So. Wait, did you guys ever have that trend where people would wear their pants low? No, that's an America thing. That's weird. This was in 2005 and guys would wear their pants so low. And there was a period where most of the kids in my class just ditched their belt. And it was apparently the cool thing to wear your pants low, make sure they're extra large. So you hold them up with one hand. And I was the only guy that was wearing a belt in my class for a while. And apparently I wasn't cool because of that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things with like lower IQ people. They just catch these stupid trends that are functionally retarded. But they didn't understand what that meant. That trend was picked up in prisons. Because prisons, normally if you get sentenced to a men's prison, a lot of the guys there are spending life there. So they're probably never going to see another woman again. So they often rape a lot of the other guys. What? Yeah, it's called, there's a phrase for it. uh, And it's called turning. If you go to prison, people will say, did you turn? Which means, are you gay now? So the reason that a lot of the guys in prisons would wear their pants low was to signal to the other guys, hey, I'm down for your advances. So I'm like, this is a trend that y'all are following. (laughs) Do you guys know the history? (laughs) That's crazy. Do you know the choker thing girls wear nowadays? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The the thing on their neck. The super tight necklace. Yeah. Yep. That choker thing was apparently a sign that the girl was a prostitute. Like, when it started. So prostitutes would wear that choker. Let me confirm this. Choker prostitute. See, you know how you like earrings? I like the choker on girls. I like For special occasions. Just, I would not want any woman I care about, like my sister or someone, to wear it. Because mm. I know what it stands for or stood for. <laughs> so let me let me read this from Wikipedia, okay? Okay, so however, at the same like in the 19th century, a plain, thin red or black ribbon choker had ties to prostitution. And this is from the Wikipedia zone choker. So it's essentially like something that prostitutes would wear. And I just, it looks good. Like, I'm not going to lie, but I cannot, like, if I have a daughter, I I don't think I would let her wear a choker. Yeah, especially because you know what it stands for. But I think that one's even different than the low pants one, because that looks attractive to some men. While you putting your pants down that low because it's a trend just makes you look like a jackass. Moreover, it's you have to hold the pant with one hand and that's just inconvenient. Right. So it doesn't make any sense. There was this one guy that was doing it so much where he one time forgot to hold his pants up with his other hand. So he was clapping for some reason and his pants literally fell down and you could see him in his underwear. <laughs> I mean, you could see him in his underwear before as well, right? If his pants were really that low. Yeah, you could. But now, it's just an embarrassing one, man. (laughs) Hey, Harsh, uh, it's echoing right now. It's what? It's echoing right now. Okay, one sec. Let me get the headphone. I don't know why it just suddenly starts echoing. Give me a second. Sure.
we're going to turn the main speaker off. Can you see something for testing? Hey, Harsh, how's it going? N- now it's good. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay, let me just make a timestamp notice of that. 48 minutes. Okay. Okay. So did you, did you ever have any of these trends that you followed? I can't think of any trends that I followed. Were you always a rebel who wouldn't fit? No, in with I just the group? didn't notice the trend. You know what I mean? What, what like about it, hairstyles? Did you ever have your hair long? I'll tell you what, Arman. Actually, what happened to me was that when I grew up, India was not as rich in the sense that people didn't have as much stuff as they do in the West, right? So a lot of these things don't exist when you don't come from like a rich country. For example, most of my friends would like go home. It would take them some hours to get home and they would study and be back to school the next day. So the whole trends thing occurs in places with a certain amount of wealth. In India, at least when I went to high school, we didn't really have as much money, at least the schools that I went to. So it was like a a relatively lower end place. And uh, yeah, so we didn't have any trends or anything. Like it was a, it was a normal school. I went, I studied, I came home, I studied, then I went to school because not studying would basically mean like a surefire route to poverty. Did you ever hang out with your friends after school? Sometimes. Did they ever hit you guys? N- not anything violent, but just a smack on the hand with a ruler? The teachers? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, we had a teacher, like the sports teacher, who had a whistle. And he had this... What, you know, when you have a whistle, you can like put it around your neck with a rope or like a string. Yes. So he would like swing you with the string and it would actually hurt a lot. Oh yeah, it's it's a whiplash. Yeah, it's a whiplash and it hurts like your skin would be red for like an hour. Did you guys ever have to just stare at the corner for a long time? Yeah, but those are like relatively are modern parts. punishments, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the light ones. What about did you ever have to do that one thing where you put your you hold onto your ears and you stand up and down? Oh yeah, 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 the punishment stuff. But that was tough. I mean, yeah, with 10, I, it's not that bad. But if you have to do 50 of those, yeah, your thoughts start burning. That's difficult. I was like, I guess I don't have to do leg day today. Yeah, once I had this punishment where I was supposed to type out a lesson in some subject. And I remember just using copy paste. <laughs> oh, really? I don't remember exactly. This was like 15 years ago. But yeah. Did it make you handwrite it? No, I don't remember, to be honest. I, I think it was some kind of computer assignment. Something I had to co- do, and I was basically copy-pasting everything. And no one knew because people weren't as tech-savvy back then. Right. Okay. And when you were going to school growing up, did you guys have a lot of computers, technology there? We had computers in school. I had a computer at my house too, but it was a very basic computer. Like I had a floppy drive in. 2005 or something (laughs) Mm -hmm. which was like very basic we had computers in school um all of them were these crt type computers you know the whole big um, monitor 
Mm-hmm. And my computer had what 96 MB of RAM. But I was very very good at computers. I was exceptionally good at computers and programming in general that was taught to us at school. It was one of my strongest subjects. Math and programming and physics were my best subjects in school. And Hard my worst fields. Yeah, my worst subjects was history and English and Hindi. All the language subjects I was never good at. And like English I learned how to speak English properly only in the last few years, you know. So a lot of people sometimes especially for my older podcasts like they say your pronunciation is bad, your accent is bad. But they have no idea of the context, right? I had to learn English. I wasn't right. born into an English speaking family. So even now I think my English is getting better as I read more and more because it's one thing to read English but one thing to be able to speak it correctly to know the pronunciations. What age were you learning at English? I learned English in school but I was very bad at it and in school I mostly communicated in Hindi with my friends. So I learned well enough to pass exams. In school and I mean how old were you? 5, 8, 5, 6. From the beginning we had English. Okay. But yeah, I wasn't great at it. And it was guys... like I would fail English all the time and what I mean all the time like if you had if you had an exam with 100 marks I would get like 18. Oh damn. But you guys learned a new language at a fairly early age. Where in the US, if you're learning a new class or a new language, it's either Spanish or French. Those are the two only options for public schools and you're learning it around 11th and 12th grade. Oh, we have that in 11th and 12th grade. We have French, but I didn't take it. I didn't opt for French. What about Spanish? We Is don't have option? Spanish. No, 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 it's not. We have options like uh, you can either take computers or you can take Hindi, advanced Hindi, or you can take um French. And there's one or two more options. And I went for computers. See, we had to learn or I had to learn Spanish in 11th grade. and it was so freaking hard because my teacher would just give me these random things for us to memorize but that wasn't teaching me the language so i'm over here just memorizing definitions and then she wants me to speak in spanish with her i'm like miss darna i have no clue what the hell to tell you hola como estas and she's like that's all you can say hello how are you all right i learned a bit of spanish on duolingo i heard it was really easy another one is rosetta stone Have you heard of that? Yes. I haven't tried it, but I do want to learn I do want to learn Spanish. How come you find it difficult? It's actually super simple. It's very it's it's somewhere in the middle of Hindi and English. Spanish? Yeah, it's I've not finished the whole thing on Duolingo. I did a bunch of the earlier parts, but it's very simple. It's like English, but the sentence structure is like Hindi and the if you're familiar with Hindi then you will also know gendered, you know, common things like gender table gender you know like a table can be male a chair Harsh, is fe- I, i would say the most important thing is how you're taught where this is what you're doing great with teach yourself crypto you're giving the bigger picture and then you're zoning in on the details where if you're just explaining what a node is you're giving them the descriptions and that's it they're never going to understand it and this is the problem with a lot of the teachers in formal education they just give you a bunch of these lifeless definitions they don't give you understand of the of the bigger picture and then they're expecting you to learn it where i believe if i was taught spanish properly it wouldn't be that difficult but the way that i was taught it just made it hard to understand 
It's like we were learning just to pass an exam. Ah, yeah. Shitty teachers make everything hard. But tell me, Arman, couldn't you hire a Mexican to give your exam for you? <laughs> And this was in high school. You, you can't necessarily do that because you have to sit in class with the other kids. You have a paper exam, so. Have you ever had not. someone? Have you ever cheated on an exam? Let me think. I probably did cheat a few times growing up. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely cheated on exams. <laughs> It's safe to admit it now. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, I cheated on exams. There was this one time in engineering where I became the smart kid, and kids were copying off of me. So there was this one time where we were in the final project, uh, final, excuse me, the final exam. I was writing uh, my exams, and the two kids. One to my left, one to my right, were both cheating off me, and I noticed that uh, the professor was on his phone a lot that particular day, and he just kept. It seemed like taking pictures of the classroom, but I couldn't tell. So I just focused on my paper, and then the next week there was this email that was sent out to the class, and it started off with, "It's unfortunate for me to write this email, but I caught a bunch of people cheating uh, on the class exam." I have photos and everything, and I will be sending it to the dean. You guys will be uh, kicked out of the engineering program, dude. It was so freaking terrifying because I knew that the kids to my left and right were cheating off of me, but I don't know. I thought they were going. He was going to think that I was cheating off of them. I had no clue, but apparently, I wasn't one of the guys that were caught. The guys that were caught had like their photo attached to that email. There was no photo of me. I meant I was good to go. You got lucky. But the thing with cheating, though, is that sometimes it shows bad intent. Other times, it shows great communication skills. And only people who've cheated understand what I'm talking about. Elaborate. Where to cheat, you need to devise this plan on body language, where you're like, okay, if I tap my fingers、uh, two times, that means B, not A. If I tap it three times, it means C. It's a class on body language. You got to know who to cheat off of. You got to understand if the risk is worth it. There's just a lot of variables that go behind the scenes.、Mm, Have you cheated? When I, when I say cheating, do I mean like did you ever carry like a cheat with the formulas you needed and everything like that? Nah, I haven't done that. Ah, I see. Have you? Up until tenth grade, I never cheated. In eleventh and twelfth, we had something called junior college, and back in those days, I wasn't studying at all, and no one else around me was studying too. So we were all cheating off each other.、Mm. But it was very were... low grades exams; like it wasn't something serious. No one cares about eleventh and twelfth, or at least no one cares about eleventh in India. It's a joke. Twelfth, some people do. Is eleventh considered a part of college in India? So in India we have something called junior college and degree college. So degree college is the equivalent of university, and eleventh and twelfth are called junior college. Junior college, okay. Do you guys have a exam that you need to take, like the SATs? No, we need. So at the end of the tenth grade, we have something called a board exam, and this is a unified exam for everyone. And on the basis of how much you score in your board exam. You are placed into which colleges? Who will take you? Hmm. 
So you never went to college, the degree college, right? No. Would you recommend people listening to this go to degree college who's from India? Okay, so I want to clarify that, okay? When I say I didn't go to degree college, I mean that I never went to a college that requires me to go physically. I finished my chartered accountancy, which is a professional certification. It's not exactly a degree of graduation. I mean, it is now, but it wasn't back then. And that's like a professional organization. And you have to study from home, basically. It's a five-year thing. You have like three years of internship. But you don't actually ever have to go to a college. You just have to come and give exams every few years. Okay, so there's no dorms or hostels needed. No, no, no. You you, you might not even meet other students. Mm. So it's like a distance education thing. Although lately the government passed some kind of law which considers chartered accountancy to be an equivalent degree to graduation. But I never uh-huh. went to college, like in any traditional sense of the word going to college means. Okay. So you haven't had a lot of these college experiences. No, I have not. I have, I know a bunch of people that they went to college, but they stayed at home. So they never did the whole dorming. And they regret that where they're like, man, I really wish I did dorming so I could hang out with more people, go to more parties. But that was never your thing, right? I mean, not particularly. It was never my thing. And moreover, if I want to do that, I could do that right now. I don't really need a dorm for that. It's much easier to do it right now because I have more money. That's a big thing. So if I want to like go to clubs every night for a month, I can. I just don't want to. There's a certain amount of you know choice here. We talked about clubs. But what about house parties? Do you guys do that? It's not common in India. Or at least it wasn't common when I was growing up. And it it should be mentioned that it did. It was a thing in the richer circles in India, but I was not rich when I grew up. I was actually quite poor. So I was not poor, but lower middle classish. So no, no, none of my friends ever had house parties. I didn't know the concept of house parties until I was 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it's it was a different environment back then. And this may be a weird question, but do you guys have a a drinking age limit where for us it's 21? We do, but it's not enforced. Like you could just be a 16-year-old and go and buy alcohol. Someone told me that. Someone's like, "Oh yeah, dude, they don't check at all. You could be 13 and you you could buy a a pack of beer and they won't care." Yeah, as long as you got money, they don't care. I mean, you can't drink on the street, obviously, but if you can, if you just buy and drink at your house, no one cares. I was living in Virginia for a while, and I went to D.C., and that's where a lot of the politicians live. It's where White House is. And I recall one time there was a cop walking right by me, and the guy that I'm walking with, he pulls out a blunt, and he just starts smoking weed. I was like, dude, what are What's you doing? A blunt? A blunt is, do you know what a joint is or no? Well, if you don't know what a blunt is, you probably don't know what a joint is. It's basically where you get your weed and you twist it up like a cigarette. and just Oh, smoke a marijuana it. cigarette. I see, I see. Yes. So he's smoking that right next to me. I'm like, hey, man, what are you doing? There's a cop right next to us. And he's like, yo, man, it's legal here. So it's legal um, to smoke weed in public in D.C., 
and they're making Wait, a DC close... or Amsterdam. I've heard of Amsterdam. Yeah, in Amsterdam, definitely. That's one of the reasons a lot of people try to go to Amsterdam because they're like, oh, I could smoke weed anywhere. Uh, but in the US, DC was one of the places that legalized marijuana, and so was Denver. Wait, DC means Washington, DC, the capital? Yes. Interesting. I don't know that. Right? I thought the same thing. I'm thinking that DC would be the strictest, but they were cool with it. Where with Florida, it was close to becoming legal. I would say in 2014 or 2015, it was right on the brink. I would say 47% agreed to it, but 53% said nah. Hmm. If 47% agree to it, then I think it should be legal. I have no problem with weed being legal. What, what are your you? opinions on it? I don't. I think weed should be legal, but I'll tell you my full thoughts on weed before you take it at face value. I think weed makes people lazy, but I like that it reduces competition for me. And I also like that it raises some taxes for the government that don't come from my wallet. So I think weed, weed should be legal. I think we should be legal too. And with the whole, it makes them lazy. What I found out is that there's different strands of weeds where some weeds are sort of like coffee. It gives you a ton of energy. Yeah, that should ones, not be legal. The The one that makes you lazy should be legal. <laughs> so you have less competition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, I, because I know someone who has a successful weed company in denver and he was telling mm -hmm. me about the different strands out there where some gets you tired it's something that you want to smoke right before watching a movie while other ones you could do for construction and there's been this huge push in the athletics department to legalize marijuana because it's not doing anyone any harm where you could make the case that alcohol is worse than marijuana uh, depending on how you want to look at it so I've never had a problem with marijuana. I do see the case against it. But if you were to ask me, I'm more in favor of legalizing it than keeping it illegal. Yeah, I think it should be made legal and people should be promoted, like especially the lower IQ ones, get them to smoke it more and more. <laughs> so they're another one, bothering everyone. Another one, Harsh, is legalizing sex work, where some people say that, it should be legal because porn is just as dangerous as sleeping with a hooker. While with a hooker, the guy at least gets laid for real versus with porn, uh, he gets addicted and it's behind the scenes. Uh, do you think sex work should be legal? I think it should be legal. I'll tell you why, okay? The fact that it's illegal doesn't actually stop sex work. It just takes it underground to all these violent pimps and everyone and the people in the industry, they get really exploited, right? The people who actually perform the sex work. And they, it also poses them real danger. For example, if you, let's say not you, but someone fucks a prostitute and then beats a shit out of her before and then doesn't pay her. There's nothing the prostitute can do because she can't go to the police and say, hey, I'm a prostitute and I mm -hmm. never got paid. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if it was legal, then the conditions that these prostitutes are working in will improve significantly. I, I'm a little unsure. I haven't fully formed my thoughts about organized prostitution where there's a pimp and a manager and the prostitute only gets a cut. I think independent prostitution should be legal. I have not 
fully process the idea of organized prostitution. I can see the value in it, where if it's legalized, then they can be regulated. So trafficking and all of these things can be bought down significantly. And mm-hmm. it might become less stigmatized for the children of these prostitutes. So I can see the value of um, you know, legalizing organized prostitution as well. The, the downside that I can think of to legalizing organized prostitution is that it's going to encourage this business more and more. And that's probably not so good for society. Right. So there's pros and cons. There are pros and cons, but regarding independent prostitution, I can definitely see advantages to legalizing it. And I can't think of many disadvantages to legalizing it. Because a girl who needs the money and is going to have sex for it is going to do it anyway. And it's much better for her and the customer that it's legal. Because then you can do regulations like if you are a registered prostitute, you have to get yourself tested every three months for HIV or some other disease. Right. And this way we can control these things. And moreover, it's going to improve living conditions for these women. And, you know, things like the client or someone who thrashes them can, you can actually have some legal action against these things. Leave one star reviews. <laughs> Yeah, that's all too perfect. You know, like if a prostitute is very good at her job, she could get like better reviews, right? If she's open, like if she's open to listing herself on the internet, then she could charge more. So that's not, it's not, it's a, it's a positive thing, right? What's the difference? Like if she's going to fuck anywhere, especially in the Western countries where women are fucking for free, right? Mm -hmm. They're whores anyway. Might as well (laughs) charge for it. (laughs) Well, with the whole organized one, if you ever go to strip clubs here, a lot of them, the high-end ones, they have a thing called uh, the special package where if you got a lot of money, you could pick your favorite stripper and you guys go in your in a different room. And who knows what goes in on that room, but I'm pretty sure uh, sex is involved. It's not just th- she's going to strip for you and that's it. Only if one you way get to find out, Arman. Right? <laughs> <laughs> where, I mean, it's, it's a popular thing where you know if it's someone's bachelor party, uh, going to strip clubs is pretty normal here. Uh, that's why a lot of people go to Vegas. Uh, do they have strip clubs in India? No, 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 no. They don't. India is way too time. No, 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 no. <laughs> we have something called bad answers, but they are significantly close. I would say, judging by the pictures I've seen on the internet and you know, or the news articles that come about them, like there are actual regulations of how much clothes they have to wear. And they can't like show certain things or do certain things, etc. What so about India prostitution? Is, there are red light districts in India. Red light. Okay, that, that's the phrase that I was looking for. I was going to call it red wall district. No, red there light are district, there, you there go. are red light districts, but it's like you know how to put it. It's meant for like workers, in the sense you know very low level people like construction workers go there. They can't find wives or something. And it's not it's not exactly a high end place. Gotcha. But I bet but, there is high end prostitution too. I just have never used any of these services, so I have no idea. But I bet well, I would I would be very surprised if they don't exist. Do you have any opinions on OnlyFans? Uh I think it's a negative for society for society. But 
I think that all the simps, it's better that they don't have money. You know what I mean? Like a fool mm. and his money is soon parted. Is it, just, is it just me or does OnlyFans seem like Gumroad, but for the body? I mean, it's a digital platform, but yeah, their niche is prostitution or exactly like nude pictures or whatever. And from what I can tell, even on OnlyFans, it's just like a top 1% who make all the money and the rest are just posting nudes for free. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the nudes uh, apparently get leaked. It's the same thing with course creators on Gumroad where products do get leaked every now and then. Here's my take on OnlyFans. My thing as the consumer, I have no clue why people would pay for that when there's, let's say, porn out there. I hear it's for the connection, but I still don't understand it. While for the business side, like let's say you're a creator on OnlyFans, I respect the hustle because from our lens, it just seems like they post her ass and that's it. But I heard that there's a ton of marketing that needs to go on behind the scenes. You need content creation schedule at days. You got to run it like a business. You can't just post your butt on OnlyFans and get rich. You have to have a certain strategy. So I get both lens from the consumer and the creator. Ah, so the girls are really working us. Yeah, I mean, here's where my inner capitalist is always going to come out. Where if you're not killing someone, do what you got to do. Is just uh, because with capitalism, we got to give people the choice. So if that's what they want to do with their bodies, uh, go for it. But there are certain stigmas that come along with that. I think that as as time goes on, a lot of these things be- will become more and more normalized. One sec, I need to get some water. I don't know what's up with my voice today. Sure. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that as time goes on, a lot of these things will become more and more normalized. So the stigma will go away. And at some point, most girls will become whores. Especially in the West, where it's no longer considered shameful to have lots of promiscuous premarital sex anymore, right? And that is something that would have blown the mind of a man or a woman 100 years ago. Like if you told a guy in 1920, that all the women will be fucking every guy they can think of or before ha- being married to them just for entertainment, he would have said, get out of here. He wouldn't believe you. Yeah, he would not believe you. So I think in the next, I don't know, I don't want to make a specific prediction, but eventually it's going to become more and more normalized and it's not good for society in any way, shape or form, but we are on the roller coaster whether we like it or not. What about in the East? I mean, how rare is it to find a virgin woman? It's super common. Like 90% of women in India are virgins, with the, with the exception of certain circles and cities. But the older the woman is, the less likely that she will be a virgin. Okay. But if you marry, like if you meet the average 24-year-old, 23-year-old, she's very likely to be a virgin. Very likely. Really? Yeah, very, very likely to be a virgin. In the U- in the US, it's the exact opposite. Where if they're 23, 24, it's very likely that they're not a virgin. 
Yeah, India is heading in that direction as well, but we're just not there yet. Maybe in 10 years. Life math money will stop that. Cultural value. I don't, I don't, I don't particularly <laughs> care about this. And I, I, I care about like marrying a virgin, but I don't think I can save. It's too far gone. There's too much momentum and it the system will have to crash before it can restart. All life math money is about is it's saving men from making bad choices in their life. So you can't stop the women from whoring around. But what you can do is make sure that the woman you marry isn't a whore. Like you can pick the good women. You see what I mean? There's a difference. I see what you're saying. You also had a thread recently where you talked about seven life mistakes many men make. Uh, you cool if I read off a few of them? Yes. Uh, so one of them is letting your health decline. And you said one of the solutions is strength training and a good diet. Would you mm. say that's one of the most important ones? It's one of the most important ones, yes. That's a, re that's a reason why it's top on the list, right? Is this Where, in order, by the way? Somewhat, but not really. Okay. But I would and say you, that one is hash one. And you did have another one called marrying the wrong woman. And you had a solution, uh, which I'll read out, and then you could provide more thoughts if needed. A solution is to vet the woman thoroughly. Look for purity, should be a virgin, or as close as you can get. Uh, for, <laughs> for Westerners, you put that in brackets. Uh, feminine and non-entitled. Family-oriented, healthy and young, younger is better, uh, should not be a feminist, shouldn't hate men. Yeah, it's an incomplete list. Out of curiosity, let's say they have four out of the five. Would you say that's a deal breaker or would you yes. say? Yes, yes, that's a deal breaker. Okay, so all the five that you listed are top most important. Yeah, I can actually prove that to you. Name any one that you think can be done away with. I'm going to have to think about this. But exactly. With four, I do know, like, even myself, I don't know if I could date a 21-year-old, for example. Like, 25 for me is better than 21 because 21, I don't necessarily know if I could have any commonality to talk about. And number four, for those of you guys listening, is healthy and young. Uh, so healthy, absolutely. Young, uh, for me, I would say 25 is what I like. Would you Trust say me, Armand, the younger, 21 is better? the better. 21 is better. I mean, you know, within legal age, of course. Some people tend to like criticize this by extrapolating too much and saying like, mm -hmm. why would you not marry a one-year-old then? But within legal age, <laughs> within legal age, younger is better. They are much more likely to be purer, like much less likely to be whores, much less likely to be captured by West, you know, leftism and all these false ideologies, etc. You know what I mean? Out of curiosity, do you think... They are more likely to be blank slates and then you can actually help them find the right path. Gotcha. To mold them? Yes. Would you say... Do you guys have a certain legal age? I mean, here is 18. You 18. Don't go, okay. For men, it's 21. And I think the government just raised it for women as well to 21, which I think was a bad move. It was a horrible move. Wait, explain. So you can't date a girl that's... Less than you can't 21? marry. You can date whoever you want. You can't marry. Okay. A girl can't legally marry if she's 21. I think that's a rule now. They changed it recently. Gotcha. 
it's there so, it's just done to fuck with people and control population but it's very very bad for society very bad for society is this new it's new i think it happened like a couple of months ago so if a girl at age 19 wanted to get married she couldn't she could get married but not legally like she could not get papers that she said she's married okay I'm looking at your list. Uh, another thing that you Well, before we change topics, uh, this is going to seem left field, uh, but it'll tie into what we're saying. Have you ever seen the show How to Catch a Predator? I have not, but I can like I have some ideas on how would you how you could catch a predator, like tranquilizer gun. Okay, ar- <laughs> around 2007, this show was popular and it was hosted on national TV, NBC, uh, by a guy named Chris Hansen. So he paired up with a company called Watchdogs who would apparently chat with older men uh, posing as underage girls from ages 12 to 15. And they would be talking to this man and they'd see if the men would show up in this house. Okay? And these men are in their 30s, 40s, some are in their 50s. and if they ended up coming to the house that's when the, the cameras would begin rolling and we'd see their reaction instead of meeting a 15 year old they'd be greeted by Chris Hansen and they'd be explaining themselves it was such a dark show to watch harsh because you're pretty much seeing someone's life getting ruined in real time uh, this guy is number one, going to have the entire US probably the entire world seeing him trying to solicit sex from an underage girl. Number two, he's probably going to have to register as a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. And number three, he's probably going to go to prison. And if you go to prison, even murderers, they look down upon pedophiles where if you try to solicit sex Wait, from a younger kid, 15 isn't a pedophile. Like I would be very is it? I thought pedophile meant like 4 year old or something. That's what Carl told me in the last few episodes. No, no. No, uh so pedophile 15, yeah. If you try to if you're a 35-year-old trying to get with a 15-year-old, you'll have to register as a sex offender. Ha, huh, interesting. So, for example, if a 15-year-old likes a 15-year-old, you know, like a, in school, I would not call them a pedophile, you know what no, I no, mean? No, th- no, that's fine. Hey, a 15-year-old how, Why does it change with your age? So, a 15-year-old getting with a 15-year-old is fine. but a 15 year old getting with anyone above an 18 year old is not fine. Yeah, that's a legal thing, you know. It doesn't make sense in the sense it's just like a legal contraption. You you know what I mean where mm. just because some lawyer wrote it while making the constitution doesn't actually mean these things in the in the sense that my grandma got married when she was 16. Was my grandfather a pedophile? No. It's just some idiot made 18 as a rule. And then anything below 18 is a pedophile. A pedophile would mean someone who's like, you know, someone who likes kids like below 12 or something. In my opinion. Oh, okay. I see exactly what you're saying. Uh, but basically for the How to Catch a Predator show, it was anything below 18. But most of the girls, the decoys, were in the range of 12 to 15. So the guys that were showing up to the house was roughly around 30, 40, 50. And normally whenever I think of a predator or a pedophile, 
I'm thinking someone fat drives a van, has candy in the car. I mean, those are the first imagery that comes to my mind. But the people that were uh, coming to the house, some were rabbis, some were doctors. What? Yes. Some were high-end lawyers. I mean, it was a spooky show where you're you're literally seeing someone's life getting ruined on camera. Was it a real thing or was it like, were they actors? Because... Why would a lawyer do that? Was he not? Was he not aware? No. To answer your first question, it wasn't actors. It, it was real. And the second one was a lot of the times in the chat logs, because the show will show the chat logs of what these guys wrote. The guys will be like, "You know what I'm doing is illegal. If I get caught, I'm going to go to jail for a long time." But still, they show up to the house. So what a lot of police officers do is that to build a strong case against the predators, they obviously are going to use the chat logs, but they also want to exercise intent. They want to see how much intention did this guy have of coming to the house and sleeping with this underage girl. So often in the chat logs, the decoy girl would say, hey, when you come, can you bring condoms or some candy? And if the guy brings it, that means he followed commands and it just builds a stronger case in the court of law. Interesting. Huh, I don't know what I feel about that. You like, can see I, a lot. I, I definitely agree that such people are negative to society and there should be punishment for them. I don't agree with the the age that they enforce it at 18. I think it should be like 16 or 15 or something. Well, 18 is safe. Anything below 18 is not safe. But for the show, I didn't ever see them use a 17-year-old decoy or 16-year-old. It always fell in the range of 12 to 14. 12 yeah, to 15. 12 is way too young. Like, I think in some countries, 12 is the legal age. But I think it's way too young. But I think if you go back to history, okay, most most of the time in history, people did get married at 16. So I don't understand the origin of the... 18 age i think 16 is a fine age because if you take say the raman ram or like the lord ram got married at the age of 16 and his wife sita was probably even younger it's only now that people have like they don't know anything about history and culture or religion well that's that legal they harsh. just like 18 for granted right like if anything ram, below 18 is bad well if ram is 16 and the girl is 14 15 whatever I think that makes sense. But if, let's say, Ram is 19 and the girl is 13, uh, then the law is saying that that's yeah, not Yeah, that's, that's a bug in the law. You, you see what I mean? That's, that's where the law doesn't make sense. For example, if, you, if, a, if the girl is one day before 18 and the guy is one day after 18, that would still be illegal according to the law you said. But like anyone who is in the right mind would say that's not, that should not be illegal. So maybe a good modification to the law would change it to, for example, even if you want to keep the age 18, but if you if the couple is, say, within four years of age or three years or some, some number like that, then it should be legal. Like if the mm-hmm. guy is like 19 and the girl is 17, and maybe they started dating two years ago. So at some point, their, their relationship <laughs> became illegal. So, <laughs> You see what I mean? So that's a that's a problem with the law. That's not the that's not the problem with life or reality. That's a, that that's just a sign of bad laws. What's your thoughts on if the guy's 
31, the girl's 16. I don't agree with this, by the way, but I don't think it should be illegal, assuming there is consent on both sides and both families. Well, the argument is that uh, it's not even a girl, by the way. There's a lot of times that they flip it where in the U.S. especially, there's a lot of these cases where there are these hot ass teachers, women, blonde haired, look like supermodels that apparently dated or hooked up with one of her students who are like 14 or 15. And a lot of the times whenever it's a guy that's being preyed on, they'll be like, man, where were my teachers like that when I was in school? Uh, it's turned into a joke. So just uh, you know, for a little bit more context, the same thing can happen to women as well, where they get arrested for uh, child predator or what, child molestation. In fact, I think the actual statistics is that most kidnappings and child trafficking is done by women, not men. Is that because? Is that, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, mo- I think more than like eighty percent or something of child trafficking is done by women. Uh, let me see the actual statistic. That's because kids are taught from a young age not to trust strange men, but they're not taught not to trust strange women. Let me let me actually see the statistics. Child trafficking by women. But do you know what I'm talking about, Harsh? Where a lot of these attractive female teachers sleep with younger students? I do have not. You ever, have you ever seen one of those stories? No, not in India at least. No. I've heard that women aren't punished nearly as harshly as men. I really wish in the To Catch a Predator show, they also flipped it, uh, where it was uh, a woman uh, coming to see a younger boy. But I don't think women use the chats like that. That's how uh, they were able to get a lot of these men to come to the house. A lot of these online chats. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't really know much about this. I think it's just... I just... I I think it's less likely for a woman to be a child molester, but more likely for a woman to actually like traffic kids. You see what I mean? Because women are generally attracted to men who are older than them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to send you... Actually, I'll send you this later on because it's hard for me to think of the exact key phrase to type. But there are a lot of stories like that that break in here. And you know how the mainstream media is. They're going to show certain stories while not the other ones. Uh, there's, a, I see. there's another one where a lot of like priests got caught with underage kids. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, I've heard of that. There's a lot of jokes about it, right? Like, why are you accusing me of raping kids? Do I look like a Catholic priest? Right, right. So in one of the How to Catch a Predator episodes, one of the guys that showed up was a rabbi. And he was in his, I would say, late 60s. He was Rabbi 65. is a Jewish priest, right? Right. So he was 65 years old. So the end of the show, Harsh, when eventually the guy's going to be like to Chris Hansen, uh, well, you keep asking me these questions. Who are you? And this is when Chris Hansen says, uh, my name is Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC, and we're doing a story on adult men who try to solicit a sex from younger kids. And then a bunch of cameras come out. So these guys find out that they're going to be on TV. And seeing the reaction, it's it was must see TV in two thousand seven. 
Wait, let me um, Google this. Like Rabbi caught. Um, what do I search for? Rabbi, how right. to catch yep. a predator? Yep, yep. Just type that in. So can rabbis get married? Like, do they have a wife and kids, or like, is it just? Yes, like, they're not allowed to get married. I'm pretty sure this guy was married. Oh, I've heard that a lot of Christian priests typically turn to like molestation because they can't get married. So, and you know, the sexual energy has to go somewhere. Right. And that's what was compelling about the show, because a lot of the times you'll see these guys lying where Chris Hansen comes and it's like, uh, what are you doing here? And these guys will be like, oh, I just came to meet one of my friends. <laughs> Sometimes they'll say stuff like, oh, um, I was just trying to check out the real estate at this place. All right. This house looks nice. Uh, see ya. Just seeing the lies that they tell teaches you a lot about psychology ah interesting yeah it's like being caught red-handed you know but i don't understand how someone can be that stupid where they like go to the internet how do you even find these places in the first place so around 2005 2006 there were a lot of these random chats where you could meet people around your area and that's ah, what they were pre-facebook using. Even MySpace, yes, okay. even MySpace, where at 2005, 2006, MySpace was big. And that's how they caught a lot of these predators, where they'd create a fake profile and they'd make the page public and they'd wait for these guys to message the girl. And that's when they carry a, uh, a conversation. Hmm. It's, I've heard that a lot of rapes actually happen within the family from someone, like family and friends. Or someone you trust. It don't generally happen like you walking on the street. Oh, like from an uncle? Yeah, stuff like that. Like So a lot of, like I think the 97% is a statistic I've heard. Or at least these are the rapes that happen within the family and friend circle. So someone you know, instead of someone you just like, who attacks you at random. Is that similar for... The child trafficking as well? I don't know. Okay, because when I picture trafficking, I'm immediately thinking uh, someone getting snatched off the street. I wonder if it's also where it's someone that you know that lures you. I think usually what happens with child trafficking is one, either they get picked off the street or the kid is offered some kind of job. Like the parents are poor and the, they're told that we're going to take your kid and we're going to take them to the city and give them a, a job as a cleaner or something. And then the kid is taken away from the parent by usually by some uncle or some neighbor or some aunt or someone. And then essentially used in these illegal activities. Isn't that what happened with Jeffrey Epstein? Have you heard that name before? I've heard he doesn't, he didn't kill himself, but that's my extent of knowledge. But the reason he was in prison, I heard that he was helping different people with their careers and then he would get them into some sort of engagement with predatory behaviors. They made a documentary on him in Netflix. I just saw the first episode and apparently he would help a lot of these girls become actresses or get connected with people. And then he takes sexual advantage of them. Mm. It's on Netflix. I, I got to check it out before I comment on it further. So what was he doing? Like, how old were these girls? I've heard they were super young, like 14, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know much about that. So 
let me watch this series and I'll go back to you. But apparently he had a lot of well-known clients like politicians and that's why he got eliminated in prison and none of his clients ever like no one knows who his clients were because apparently they are very powerful. Dude, Hollywood and these politics, the more that you know about this, they have a lot of dark fantasies behind the scenes. It's an interesting industry, you know. It's not like, you know, for example, Twitter or the things we do. If we're good, we're going to break in. We don't need anyone's permission. But with stuff like Hollywood, you have to convince some director or producer to like in you know include you in their production. So you essentially need their permission to get in the industry. You right, can't they're gatekeepers. Out. Yeah, they're like gatekeepers. So for example, if you are a great actor and the Hollywood guy who is like directing the movie or whoever does the interview or the what is it called, casting? He casting. says, I won't let you in if you don't suck my dick. There's nothing you can do about it. You either like suck his dick and get in or you don't. And well, that's I'm, what happened with Harvey Weinstein. Have you heard that name? No. He's this guy that is responsible for creating a lot of big movies. And he doesn't necessarily do the directing, but he'll fund the movies. So he's often more powerful than the movie directors. And a lot of the times he would sleep with these women who wanted to be a star. And that's the only way that they would get casted into a movie. And recently, there were a bunch of people that were coming out uh, saying what Harvey did to them. And I think he went to prison, but he's definitely fired and blackballed from Hollywood. Yeah, I don't know what I feel about that in the sense that isn't that just a prostitution transaction? Like where instead of being paid in money, you're being paid by this job. Hmm. I never thought about that. Like, I don't think it should be legal, but it's an interesting perspective. And something like that happened to uh, Bill Cosby. Have you heard that name? I've. This is um, Hillary Clinton's husband, right? No, that's Bill Clinton. So Bill Cosby was known as American's fa- America's father, where he had this popular show called The Cosby Show, where uh, it, it became one of the first uh, African-American uh, mainstream shows. And he was one of the first black comedians that started to go mainstream. So everyone had this humble view of uh, Bill Cosby. His career was impeccable. Well, recently, well, not recently, this was in 2015, 2016, uh, there was a comedian named Hannibal Burgess who made a joke about how Bill Cosby gets away with rape. And it was just a random joke that he made. But this got uh, tons of people researching Bill Cosby and his past. And that's when apparently he had some closed cases of him putting drugs in women's drinks. Women would sue him, but the case would get closed. Wait, what do you mean drugs in women's drinks? So he would put, um, he would pill these girls. So let's say you go to a bar, uh, he would put a pill in these girls' drinks. So they would feel, uh, they would doze off after a while and it was easier for him to have sex with them. What the fuck? That's fucked up. He's a freak. That should be illegal. And his nowadays his nickname is Pill Cosby, <laughs> not Bill Cosby. Uh, but I mean, his legacy is tarnished. Where nowadays, when people think of Bill Cosby, they think of uh, a rapist. And for him, I mean, he was trying to. Uh, a lot of people that would come to him asking for advice. A lot of these women actresses, 
he at first lured them in with a friendly father advice that's looking out for you. And then the next day, uh, they're on his bed. They don't even know what happened last night. And they see him butt naked, putting on a robe. They're like, what the heck? So I feel for a lot of these women, man, where it's a, I mean, yeah, they didn't. Right. That, right. That's just, that's regular rape. You know, that's not like, there's no excuse for that type of stuff. Like you put a drug in her drink. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Have you heard of this guy, Jared Fogel from Subway? Yes. I've heard about him. That guy's story is so crazy. Like he did actual crazy shit. I think he actually had sex with kids. Yeah, I, I know he put uh he put cameras in their dressing rooms. What a freaking weirdo, man. Because when yeah. I worked when I worked in Subway, that's when I believe he was getting edged out of the company where he wasn't seen to be bringing in that much money anymore. And that's when they thought of the jingle of five dollar footlongs. You heard that jingle? No, but I am like, aware that it exists. Like Subway was doing it, and that it caused them problems later when they had to raise prices. Yeah, man. When I worked in the mall, uh, we only had certain footlongs that were five dollars. So the customers would come and they'd be like, "I'd like to have uh, Italian BMT." I'm like, "Ma'am, you do know that's not five dollars, right?" Well, what do you mean? I heard the jingle, five, five dollar. Five dollar foot long, and they like that sing sucks. out the jingle. To me. I was like, "Yes, ma'am, I understand." But uh, the mall, oh, we don't do it for all subs, and they'd get livid. That's why you don't build your marketing campaign over money, because if you want to change the prices later on, it's just gonna hurt your brand. Have you ever raised the prices of any ebook that you sell? Hmm. Not yet, and not by a high margin or anything that makes it noticeable. You, I have done that a lot of times. Like I just, as I add more content to eBooks, I will typically raise the prices. So I never advertise as like a cheap eBook. I know it's going to become more and more expensive as I make it better and better. It's a mistake to advertise a product as being X dollars, because that X dollars is going to change because the value of a dollar is going to zero. And do people ever say anything about that or they don't care? An increased price, some people will reach out asking for a discount if they can't afford it. But um, otherwise, it's just a normal price increase. For example, the art of Twitter, when I released it in 2020, Jan 2020, I think, it cost, how much did it cost back then? It cost $35. And then I raised it to $40, $50, $60. And now it's at $80. And I'm going to raise it to $90 soon once I'm finished with the website course and I'm going to pair them together. So as the course gets better, I add more stuff, I raise the price. I mean, especially since you're adding content in. Yeah, it only makes sense because I'm putting in more work to make it better. And the value of the course increases with time as more and more experience is put into it. So it do makes people, sense the price should go up. Do your customers ever just DM you asking you questions? Sometimes, but the course is very clear. Like it works. We've had almost 5,000 sales. Oh, speaking of sales, do you know Live Intentionally, the 90-day self-improvement program that I sell? Yes, 
we crossed we we crossed 7500 sales yesterday wow congratulations yeah just 2500 more and then what is it like i think i'm an international bestseller yes 10000 copies 10000 copies is 2500 sales more so we're selling quite a few copies every day so we'll get there wow congratulations i, I recall that you had me read it when you first released it and i saw it and i thought it was an amazing product yeah i remember your review i'm glad you sent that to me dang that's insane that almost 10000 copies and it just shows you that you could be a one man army and you could make moves i mean do you partner with anyone for that book or have you just been pretty much selling it to yourself oh just me no partners i've had a lot of like i have a lot of affiliates who help sell it but like i wrote the book myself right right i'm talking about like a publishing team you don't have to answer anyone i uh, just me yeah no publishing team it's just a culmination of my experience with my own self improvement journey for example i realized that it's much easier to eat healthier when you're working out it's much easier to be able to control your thoughts when you meditate regularly so i created a 90 day program with all the good habits that i do and it's much easier to implement them all at once than to do it one by one for the reason i just told you like it's it it kind of feeds into itself you know like if you exercise in the morning you are less likely to eat unhealthy your body is not going to crave as much unhealthy food because when you exercise your body releases a lot of feel good hormones and endorphins so you feel good anyway so your body doesn't need those hormones from unhealthy food so it's it's a cycle that feeds it it feeds onto itself and doing them all together is much simpler than doing them one one at a time so the program is really a program you have to do all of it and in 90 days it's going to change your life and i've received hundreds of reviews i think it has like 310 five star reviews so far and people love it it really works and it changes people's lives especially if you're young like if you are like a 40 year old and you have a wife and three kids then i'm not fully convinced you might be able to do the program because it takes a certain amount of time to implement the habits like you have to actually exercise and do things like that and you might not have as much time but if you are a younger person get the program it's going to change your life like there was a guy who's who left me the best review possible he said that if you don't like if you need this program if you need more discipline in your life but you have not got the program yet you're already paying for it wow that's a deep review yeah that's the best review i've ever gotten well what you do is you codify a lot of things where when people want to start self improvement they don't know a path where they're like uh, okay well i'll read a, this book that which is going to help i'll lift this weight i'll sleep this much earlier and everything's scattered where your program is capable of just putting it into one program so it's easy to follow if you do the program it's going to change your life like guaranteed in fact i have an actual guarantee where if you take the program it doesn't work for you in 30 days send me an email i'll refund you and almost no one asks for a refund like it works we've changed people's lives like for example someone who wakes up at 11 12 pm then eats garbage across the day spends half his time on youtube you do the program in 30 days you will be a completely different person in 90 days your entire life will be different 
you will stop watching porn stop watching the news your social media use will be way less you will lose weight because we have a diet program built into it you will be much healthier you will gain muscle because we have exercise built into the program your vision will be better all the things that you were thinking in the future that i will start this do that you will actually start them in the program so it's going to change your life would you say that's one of your most impactful products that you created yes would you say that's the favorite product you've created yes i also like the auto twitter a lot because it helps people make money but this is the most impactful especially for younger men i think i'm trying to cover all the you know bigger aspects of men's lives you know for example discipline is covered by live intentionally it's a self discipline program versus money is covered by the business guide like how to start a website is going to be a portion of that and how to run twitter and make money from twitter so eventually i will also cover nutrition diet and a specific program on fitness etc and essentially all of men's needs would be covered including a guide on dating how to deal with women etc although that is somewhat covered in an associate book that i have published with my company called the illimitable man audiobook if you're familiar with the illimitable man's website and the guy very intelligent person by the way so harsh you have a digital books under your belt you have some audio products as well any chance you're releasing a paperback soon i might i might do that this year or next year let's see mm. what about and, you are you coming up with some new products yes i am uh, i'm going to like when we were talking earlier when you're talking about one of your most impactful products is live intentionally mm-hmm. for me one of my most favorite products is level up mentality which is my first ever book that i wrote and recently it's been picking up steam it's been picking up steam in different niches in amazon but one of the books that i enjoy a lot especially the reviews that I've been getting behind the scenes is for speakeasy how to be articulate assertive and audacious around people and harsh you never know what sort of impact a book is going to have until you release it where people have read that book and they're like man this is the reason I started a youtube channel this is a reason I started a podcast this is one of the main reasons I'm now public speaking so people take the book and they use it in their own way in their life so i want to have more books like that released this year where it's going to be it's going to be an eternal skill that they could use in relationship to their life. Hmm, interesting. By the way guys, the links to all of these products is in the description of this video. Yep. I'm putting it. Man, so, so what exactly is your book about? Like can you give me like the 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 most main idea of the book, the most important takeaway? of speakeasy? Yes. Yes, yeah, so speaking skills is a skill and you could learn it by having certain processes in place. One of the processes you want to have is creating some sort of articulation chamber. Uh, just like we go to the gym to work out our muscles, we need to create a certain zone where we practice our speaking skills. You can start a podcast like you and I we're doing right now. Uh you can start a private YouTube channel. You could start public speaking in your local clubs. and then from there i talk about uh creating feedback systems to see and measure your improvement 
Uh, so those are the two main ideas, viewing speaking skills as a skill set and chronicling your progress to see how much you're improving. And from there, the book takes on different ideas, but those are the two core ideas. How is public speaking different from podcasting? It's very different. Where I started off in the public speaking game and public speaking is more about using your body more where you're using your face, you're using your palms, you're walking. Each step has a purpose in the bigger picture. While with podcasting, you're predominantly just using your voice. So with public speaking, your voice is radiated more outwards. Uh, picture you throwing a net in the water. While with podcasting, your voice is more laser targeted. So picture you uh, putting a, using a fishing pole and getting the reel and putting it underwater. So it is different. Uh, it's something that I recommend pairing with one another if you want to see vast improvement, but they are different uh, from the delivery styles. What they have in common are the ideas. So if you have a podcast, it makes it way easier to public speak because public speaking is you just delivering your ideas. Interesting. So the delivery style is different and I can totally see what you mean by using your body. But I think that even in podcasting, you have to use your body a little bit just because of the impact it has on your voice. That's true. And this is something that I noticed where with anything communication skills related, you don't want to separate it from the gym. If you go to the gym, if you remain active, if you are strong, flexible, and such, it becomes so much easier to communicate. Where, let's say someone's trying to build a stronger voice, the first thing they'll often ask is, how do I make my voice deeper? But what you really want to ask yourself is, well, how's my posture? Am I drinking too much alcohol where it becomes hard for me to speak, where there's a lot of tension in my head? I mean... Is my voice predominantly coming from my body or is it coming from my nasal passages? You want to fix your lifestyle, which allows you to improve communication skills. So that just adds on to what you're saying, where I think you going to the gym will help you become such a better communicator. You know, I think that learning how to sing makes your voice much better. Are you singing now? Is that you're doing that with your voice coach? Yeah, I'm learning how to sing and it's really impacting how I speak. I sound clearer now and it's helping me be more aware of how I'm saying things. Is your voice coach from India or US? She's not from India. I think she's from Europe. Oh, okay. How'd you find her? Fiverr. <laughs> Fiverr. Oh. <laughs> So, for example, if you want to speak deeper, a lot of it comes down to opening the back of your, um, what do you call it? You know, raising the soft palate and then speaking, like making the chest vibrate. And you will learn how to do these things properly when you're learning singing. So let me give you an example, okay? This is me speaking deeper. Can you notice the difference? Mm-hmm. So it's not about, I mean, going to the gym will definitely help. But if someone just wants a deeper voice and more control over their own voice, 
then learning how to sing is a great starting place. In fact, it is like getting expertise in your vocal cords, right? Right. Another skill set that I recommend people play around with is impromptu speaking, where you're speaking without any preparation beforehand. What like that these does podcasts. Pretty much. I mean, that's one of the ways that you can improve your impromptu speaking skills, where you have a content creation, more specifically, a conversation show, because I never know what you're going to say next. And you never know what I'm going to say next, Mm -hmm. which allows you to think on your feet. And when you think on your feet, what happens is that you're using more mental faculties. And when you use more mental faculties, you need to adjust your breathing patterns to match the mental faculties which happens at quick rates. But I don't know about you, Harsh, but after, let's say, a four or five hour podcast, I feel tired, where normally after our podcast, you go straight to sleep. Where for me, it's still early in the day. I'm like, man, I just want to relax. It's because you're getting a mental workout in when you practice impromptu speaking. Also, another cool thing before I just um, end this is that when a rapper freestyles do you know what freestyling is no it's when the rapper does not write down lyrics beforehand it's just they're going off top of the dome and they're saying and rhyming about whatever comes to their mind the brain scans of freestyling versus reading off a paper is vastly different and the main difference is that when you freestyle the sense of self area of the brain is deactivated which allows you to bypass your self-image, your ego, and you are capable of being way more creative. It's the same thing that happens with impromptu speaking. When you're not planning what you're going to say beforehand, you're entering this infinite loop of possibilities of what you can say versus you just saying a planned speech. I'm not hating on planned speeches, by the way, but there are tons and tons of upcoming speakers who have no clue that impromptu speaking is even a thing. But you could practice. You could start a show like me and Harsh have started, or you could just start a private YouTube channel where you get, uh, you go on Google, type in random topic generator, uh, get random topics, and create short stories on that. And this allows you to build your confidence and build a stronger voice, get more creative over time. It really helps if you have experience in the field you're talking about, in the sense that. If you and I start talking about things we know nothing about, we can't actually make any content impromptu. Like we'll be stuck every two seconds. For example, we are both businessmen. So if we talk about business, it's going to be buttery smooth because we have experience to rely upon to help us produce the impromptu content. But if I make content about how to sing well, I don't know enough about singing (laughs) to, you know, tell you anything so i'm going to sound like an idiot if i make an impromptu presentation on that i'm going to sound like this so for singing uh, 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 i don't know what to say next blah blah singing is important la 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 so i would sound like a politician who doesn't know how to speak properly well yeah i mean you don't want to talk about topics you don't know at all you want to talk about topics that are congruent to you from different angles so one of the sayings is you want impromptu speaking uh, to be more like arms rather than a horn. So what that means is, Harsh, if I tell you to close your eyes and picture yourself with a horn, you're going to be like, "Uh, all right, give me some time because I'm not used to seeing myself with a horn. But if I say that, 
harsh. Close your eyes and picture yourself with arms. You could easily recreate that because that's just who you are. So with impromptu speaking, it's pretty much about moving out of your own way. I don't recommend you know starting off about talking about fairy tales and dragons, but start off with something light from a unique angle. So rather than just saying what is a business, uh, share or talk about three lessons that you would tell your younger self about starting a business. Where it's like, oh, okay, I'm competent in this field and I'm seeing it from a different angle. That's something that flexes the impromptu speaking muscle. The more that you work it out, the stronger that you get over time. Exactly, exactly. So take what you know and use that. Like you need to have experience of at some level to actually produce content. And people don't realize this, okay? If, if, if for example, you're listening to this podcast, if you've never started a business before, try currently right now, pause the video and try giving me a three-minute speech on how to start a business and see how well you're able to do it. You won't be able to do it because you have no experience. Right. But if you say, uh, let's say you've wanted to start a business before, but you never articulated that desire out loud, you just felt it. So if you, I tell you to give me a speech on why you want to start a business, what do you think your motivating desire is? That's something that you are competent about, but it's not too predictable. If it's too predictable, like I'm like, Harsh, what's your name? Uh, give me a... Harshina. <laughs> or if it's too predictable, it's not going to work. But you want to get something you know okay and take a unique angle on it. Where you, exactly. you gave me you gave me another one before where you're like, what's the difference between public speaking and podcasting? I've done both. It's just no one's ever asked me, well, what's the exact difference? So this allows me to be creative as well because I'm competent, but I'm dynamic enough to be flexible. So I think this is one of the very underrated skill sets and it helps out tremendously with confidence because in the real world, if you're going to a job interview, or even a date, you can't always prepare what you're going to say. You should be able to think on your feet. And you know, for for those people who want to know more about impromptu speaking, I'm going to link a class that I did on impromptu speaking in the description box. So you could check it out right there. Ah, interesting. Tell me more about your class. So this is a class I did on Skillshare, and I give different frameworks to practice impromptu speaking. I give the pink fish method, the basketball method, the string and pearls method, which helps people have certain formulas that they can practice with. They don't have to do all the formulas. They want to pick the one that is the their favorite, and then they could keep on practicing. So the classes on Skillshare, it tells you what impromptu speaking is, gives you the formulas, and gives you a final project at the end as well. Huh, interesting. How is Skillshare as a platform? Does it make Skillshare. a lot of money or... Is it like it's something that for exposure? It's for exposure, but if you give yourself some time and you build up your library, you'll start pulling in a decent amount of money. Uh, I know creators that make two thousand to ten thousand, where you don't necessarily want that being your only stream of income, but if it's one of many streams of income, I think it helps. Also, um, the pros of Skillshare is that it's pretty much like YouTube but it's structured. You don't have to make long classes like in Udemy, like four-hour classes, but you could make short classes like 10, 
to 20 minutes long. Most of my classes are that long. Uh, you could make it longer, but you don't have to. So that's one pro. Another pro is that it's easy to get paid out. Uh, you don't have to do too much marketing. It pretty much markets itself among Skillshare users. So these are some of the pros. The main con, though, is that they have a very, very strict uh, content strike policy. So if you get three strikes in a span of six months, your account is banned forever. And the problem with that is that a lot of the content strikes, uh, the rules are blurry, where you're like, wait, I got a content strike for that? I didn't even do anything wrong, where a lot of it is subjective. So if that's your only stream of income, then you may be creating with fear. But the good thing is after six months are up, if you, let's say you got two strikes in six months, I personally wouldn't release any classes until those six months are up. And that's when your account resets back to zero. Why, what type of content do they strike? Like, can you give me an example when you say that you get a strike for random reasons? Like what is the stuff that sure. you might so, get strike for? So I'll give you two of the reasons I got a strike uh, last year. So one of the reasons was because I only had my head talking. And apparently you need a minimum of at least two slides. So you could have your head talking, but you should at least have a, a, another slide that just writes introduction or key points or a face switch. I was like, but that's not in the rules anywhere. But apparently, <laughs> but apparently that was one. So I got a strike for that. Another strike I got was because I had a slide that wrote introduction and another slide or video that wrote overview of the class. And they're like, that's a strike because you have two introduction videos. I was like, no, I don't. One is me introducing myself and the other is an overview. These are two different videos. So they gave me a strike. I appealed it. They took it off and they were like, oh yeah, we're sorry about that. We were wrong. You are right. So now I'm back to one strike. Then the third, Sorry, go the, ahead. the third strike I, I got because I did a class on breathing. It's called ninja breathing. And apparently that was me giving medical advice, which wasn't allowed. So I got my second strike in four months. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just not create anything for <laughs> two more months. I still, I still got like passive income coming in uh, in those two months, but I didn't release anything. Interesting. Is this one of those platforms which pays you like per minute of, you know, videos watched by students? Yes. So there's two things. So you get royalties for every minute watched. Okay. And then you also get $10 for every referral that you send. So whenever I release a class, I promote it on my email list. Right. And then I'll give a free link to access the class. Anyone who signs up to Skillshare for one month from that link, I get $10 for each person, which isn't a lot, but let's say just five people sign up, you got $50 from one email, and then you get all the royalties adding up. Interesting. What I try to do is I pair a lot of my Skillshare classes with my Gumroad products. So it's an upsell. Uh, I'll sometimes give it away for free or you know, for certain clients that I get, I'll have them watch my Skillshare class before so they understand what the curriculum is going to be for our client sessions. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people, one thing you said is that it's for brand exposure. A lot of people that are on my news list or on my website, 
discovered me through Skillshare. Really? That's yeah. very cool. They're like, you have a Twitter? <laughs> I'm from Skillshare. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, that's very, very cool. I have had a lot of people um, that met me through this podcast too. Or oh, really? Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, right now, like, if I check my YouTube analytics, before my audience, I would say, was 75% US. Nowadays, it's very close. Like, US is still number one, but a close runner-up is India. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you're Indian, so you should have some Indian audience. Yeah, I mean, it creates a, uh, it creates a global presence. You see? Yes. It's very I, interesting what you mentioned about Skillshare because I have a few friends who make like five, six hundred bucks a month from Skillshare and all they did was make one v- course and then just leave it forever. So it's like, it's like different income, you know? Right. I, I mean, think about it like this. How often do you go on Twitter and you see someone like constantly promoting a product where that's not bad, by the way, but if you always have to like give discounts, always promote it, I mean, it's not that passive anymore. Oh, with Skillshare, some people are like, oh man, I completely forgot. I still have a class up there and they're getting paid monthly for that. Or that's purely passive. That is very, very cool. I like that concept. I don't know how much it's going to last in the sense that, you know how YouTube advertisements used to pay a lot more back in the day? Right. But then YouTube became the mainstream platform. And then they reduced advertising rates significantly. So people's incomes dropped by like 80% or something. Yes. I feel like Skillshare is going to going to do the same thing. They just haven't hit that point yet. I could see that. I could like, see that. If the one day they show up and say, hey, we're going to reduce royalties by 90%. Are you going to take your course off Skillshare or are you going to say, okay, I, I won't make more courses, but I've already made these courses and I might as well just keep them there to get the 10%. I'd probably just keep them up, dude, because exactly. these aren't, right? I mean, these aren't things that take me hours and hours of time. It's pretty much just like YouTube videos, but it's structured. Or if you come on my YouTube channel, every video is different and people come here for different reasons. While when you go to my Skillshare, I mean, you have a class strictly for impromptu speaking. You have a class strictly for writing tweets. You have a class strictly for listening skills. So it's different. So I I would just keep it up. I wouldn't mind. Exactly. So if or when Skillshare becomes very dominant in this whole niche of, you know, quick online learning from people with experience, they are very likely to reduce their rates. Right. The way that it works right now is very similar to how the UFC works, where you get a huge pool of money and the top performers get paid. You basically get uh, paid in proportion to the minutes that you generated. So like for UFC, a guy like Conor McGregor, if he's fighting, he's probably going to get paid the most because he gets the most merchandise sales. Most people tune in to watch him fight versus the first card on the entire lineup. So it's similar with Skillshare where if you put in your work and you build a nice portfolio, eventually you're just going to get a lot of minutes watched due to volume. While 
it, it does depend on the niche. Where if you, let's say you teach like drawing, a lot of people want to go on Skillshare to learn drawing nowadays. So there's more demand. So it, it's very similar to YouTube. And I would say it's one of the most beginner-friendly ways to make money online. I'm surprised more people don't talk about Skillshare as a way to make money. Huh, that's very cool. I think I might tweet about this. I can see a lot of people who have some interesting skills that people want to learn. For example, if you know how to play guitar. So like guitar basics. How to tune your guitar, how to clean your guitar, how to play basic chords. I bet there's a place for teaching this type of stuff on Skillshare. Right. So this is my Skillshare profile. Um, people find it through different ways. I, I don't promote it too much besides to my email list because I'm just trying to see how much of it is really passive. And the thing, Harsh, is that it's like Netflix for some people. Some people will follow you and they'll just watch all of your classes because they think you're funny and they're learning. So it's a good platform for edutainment. Huh, I wonder if, for example, Armand tell all your Twitter followers that if you have Skillshare, just turn my class on, reduce the volume, and leave it on at night. <laughs> so, so, so here is something that they do. If you hypothetically do something like that and they find out, they're probably going to ban your account for life. Where what One thing some people do is you know, they get on Facebook groups and they have each other watch each other's classes. And then they'll comment on the Facebook group like, whoa, Skillshare just banned my account for life. They're very, very strict with their content strike policy. So that's the one thing that I would... Where with Udemy, you could get away with that. But with but Skillshare... Armand, then couldn't you get anyone banned in the sense that some there's a competitor and you pretend to be your competitor and you promote their courses this way and then your competitor would be banned? So what they apparently do is they look out for intent. I don't know how the hell they do that, but they have their ways. And I, I don't think they have their ways. I think they just ban anyone. Right. And this is why I say that this shouldn't be your only stream of income. Right. I, I believe that you should have an army of different places that you make money. And Skillshare could be one of them that adds to your portfolio to build your brand presence. And, you know, you get in the habit of articulating your ideas. Where after I'm done with a Skillshare class, I know this topic from a different angle that I never knew it before. Each of the courses that you set up on Skillshare, you have to end it with a class project. Basically, every video in that course is leading to a class project. So you got to keep that in mind. Ah, interesting. Do you take classes on Skillshare? I've taken quite a few classes on Skillshare, actually. Have you? Yeah, but I didn't realize that it was an interesting platform. It just sometimes, for example, what would happen is that, you know what people do? They they take the same class and they publish it on Udemy, etc. Right. So if I'm going to take a class on Udemy, I will typically first search for the class on Skillshare. And over like 50% of the time, I will find it on Skillshare. So I don't have to pay for it on Udemy. Right. And Udemy is more for technical, while Skillshare is more creative, from what I heard. Yes, but there's all sorts of stuff everywhere, you know. Like I recently finished a course on filming with a GoPro. Hmm, nice. How was that? It was a very good course. Loved it. I do a ton of online courses. Like people will not, like, 
you know when i say i do a lot of online courses i literally mean it i do a lot of online courses it's the it's the quickest way you can learn from actual experts in the industry like this was not possible 10 20 years ago where i could not go and learn from someone who has 10 years of experience in that thing like earlier you had to go to universities and learn from people with zero experience who were just like coding a textbook now you can learn from people who are practically doing these things every single day you see right. what i mean there's a huge difference in experience and quality and it's so cheap like i can hire i can learn from an expert for 100 bucks that is amazing yeah is taking courses replacing your way to get information above books or you still read books books are more in depth theoretical knowledge that i love courses are more practical skill type stuff like for example if i have to learn how to use excel better i'm going to do a course not do a book but if i want to learn more about philosophy then a book is the way to go got it a- any cool books you're reading right now currently i am re- i just finished reading this one anything you want um, i i don't forgot the name of the guy if you've heard of this book anything you want i finished reading that i'm reading a book called 42 rules of marketing by some woman it's it's a completely unheard of book but i really like the book it's very good let me get the book one sec let me actually give this woman a shout out she wrote a great book that no one knows about give me a second sure Yeah the book is called 42 Rules of Marketing by Laura Lowell and it's a great book it's a shame that no one knows about the book it was published back in 2010 somewhere so it's a little outdated but it's a good book I'm reading this book by have you ever heard of Will Smith it's an actor right who kind yes. of got divorced and has a lot of memes mocking him now He has a lot of memes mocking him. Do you know why? Or he was supposedly some kind of alpha male, and then he's totally beta now. Sort of. Yeah, you pretty much got the high level stuff. Well, I'm reading his book called Will, and it's his memoir, and it's such a fascinating book. Where uh, in the '90s he was on top of the world. I mean, he had just become. Uh, have you heard of Fresh Prince of Bel Air? It's a no, very popular that? show. Uh, it's a, a popular show, especially in the '90s. That uh, he was the main actor for that. Around that time, he was starting a rap career where he went uh, globally platinum. He was a superstar, and then he made a seamless transition to movies. I mean, he did Men in Black, Wild Wild West, I Am Legend, uh, so many movies. And you're thinking that this guy is just this superstar all around, but as you're reading the book, it's divided into different. chapters of emotions right it goes from the darkest emotions to the lightest emotions and he just talks about his upbringing where if you don't read the book you'll never you'll always think that will smith is this flawless guy but when you read the book you see the human side to him where his dad was a awesome guy hard working but he used to beat his mom a lot in front of will and will never stood up for the mom so he always felt like a coward and one of the reasons that he wanted to become this superstar with music movies tv shows is because he was always running away from that coward within he wanted to have more power because with more power 
he was able to protect the people that he loves. So he's taking his memoir from a different angle than I was expecting. I thought it was just going to be this upbeat book, but he's talking about a lot of dark stuff. I'm in the beginning portions of it right now, but um, it's good. When did he write the book? That's very interesting. Where or when? When, when? Oh, it was just released. after the whole joke thing or before? So he was writing it during the joke thing. It just got released, I would say, a few weeks ago or to a few months ago. Oh, that's interesting. I might it's have relatively new. Mm-hmm. And you just have understand... You... Sorry, go ahead. Well, you just understand how a mind of a superstar works, where this guy has great work ethic. But you'll see that one of the reasons he has such strong work ethic was because his dad was a military guy. And for his dad, he would always frame things as missions. So he'd be like, hey, well, uh, you have a mission to grab my remote controller right now within two minutes. If you don't do that, then I something bad's going to happen. Or, Will, go grab some cigarettes from the local. So he just framed things in a binary way, mission accomplished or mission failed. And that way of thinking has molded Will Smith's life. It's a, it's a fascinating book about how a superstar is born. It's not always through pretty ways. A lot of it is from like traumatic ways. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like his whole like his siblings viewed him as a coward because he didn't stick up uh, to his dad. He, um, he. There were just different books. Uh, there were just different points in the book where it just got me thinking about Will Smith differently. Where in our generation, Will Smith is a meme where people laugh at him. They're like, ah, you got cucked by Jada Pinkett Smith. But in the 90s and 2000s, that was his wife, the one that slept with August Alsina. I don't know why they got divorced. Well, they're not divorced. So in the US, most people viewed, viewed, that's the key word, Will Smith and Jada as like the pinnacle of what it meant to have a great relationship. In songs, they'll be like, I want that Will and Jada love. So it just showed that it was good. But I would say one to two years ago, uh, there were some rumors coming out that they had an open relationship. And his wife apparently slept with uh, this singer named August Alsina. So August Alsina did an interview where he confirmed it. He said that he slept with Jada Pinkett Smith. And Will Smith gave him the blessings to sleep with his wife. That's so fucked now, up. So now everyone's laughing at Will Smith. They're like, oh, bro, you're a cuck. Like, what the hell? You're supposed to have this golden marriage and you're over here being a cuck. So that's when they had this red table talk. It's a show that Jada Pinkett Smith, his wife hosts, where they just speak truth, their truth. And basically Jada Pinkett Smith explained what happened. And they were on a break. Jada admitted that she hooked up with August Alsina, but she didn't really take accountability. She's like, oh, I got in an entanglement. Did you see the memes about that, like entanglement? Not really, no. I don't okay. use the internet as much as people think. You know? <laughs> okay, well, it, it became viral on Twitter where, because um, she's really saying, oh yeah, I smashed August. But instead of using that phrase, she's like, I had an entanglement. So no one really knows what the hell that means. They're like uh, Everyone okay. knows what it means. You know? <laughs> well, they know what it means, but, but the, the manipulation she did to use such a light word to hide that, like, you know, she's banging another dude. And you just like look at Will Smith and he looks like he just got done crying. I mean, it's like he's a legend in the U.S. 
So him being humiliated like that was such a bad look. And nowadays, you know, tons of people, they just know Will Smith as a cuck. They don't know him as like this I know global him as a superstar. Cuck, yeah, yeah so you probably, cuck, but I know him as a joke. So you probably had no clue that he was this global superstar before. No, I did not. He was. I mean, even to this day, I mean, if people say who are some of the top actors of all time in Hollywood, I mean, it's not laughable if someone says Will Smith in top 10, top 20 at least. Or just entertainer. He's not just an actor. He's an entertainer. He does comedy. He does rap. He acts phenomenally. I mean... Yeah, I don't think it's a smart idea or like to actually glorify entertainers, you know? Like their right. job is to entertain. They're not life models or role models in any way, shape or form. They're just people Absolutely. who make you laugh and have a good time. But that's it. They're like clowns. And I mean that literally. They're like actual clowns. Like a clown's job is to make you laugh, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them clowns, uh, but I do see your. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that, but I do agree with you. Where you shouldn't be taking life advice from a entertainer. Come on, they're clowns. This it. <laughs> I don't think they're clowns, man. I think it takes a lot of discipline to be an actor. Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline to be a clown, <laughs> but they are clowns. <laughs> but let me ask you though. Let me ask you. Do they're you in the res- same profession. <laughs> do Do you respect? top tier entertainers or no. you just think oh, I mean no, I don't man, believe this anyone can do that in the sense that no 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 that's not what I'm saying I'm not saying that anyone can do that I'm saying I don't look up to them as if they were god or some kind of king or some achiever you know what I mean mm-hmm. I think of them as the same way I think of okay let's take the stardom away what do you think of someone who acts in plays like does theater who acts in like physical plays not famous I mean I view them as a painter a, exactly a exactly uh, I, I view them in a similar way like even the famous ones like they're just someone who is good at acting but that's it like, you see what i mean i, but I have the same mean. opinion about sportsmen too for example the guy you were talking about earlier james kobe or whatever kobe like mm-hmm. i think of him in the same way like he's just good at playing basketball i would not take life advice from james kobe james kobe <laughs> Did yeah. I say his name wrong? Wait, let, me, let me see. You, no, it's hilarious because you merged LeBron James with Kobe Bryant and you created a new identity, James Kobe. Oh, I'm just, right. Uh, I'm going to say that for future episodes. <laughs> don't forget James Kobe. <laughs> I don't recommend taking life advice from anyone. I think everyone has this massive blind spot in their life that they're unaware yeah, of people tend to worship these guys like people tend to look up to them as if these guys were god like there are cricketers in india who are so popular that if the cricketer said it's four o'clock when the clock says it's five o'clock there are some people who are going to act as if it was four o'clock yeah i think that's ridiculous but i think having respect for people on the top of their game i think that's a different ball game I mean, yeah, I mean, you have general respect. When I say respect, I mean, you know, where you look up to someone in that sense, in the sense that I want to be like him, that type of respect I don't have for them. Yeah. And do you have it for anyone out of curiosity? Yes. I mean, you can't say your dad or your mom because that's a given. I'm talking about, well, you'd probably say Rockefeller, right? Okay, 
Yeah, I mean, God, definitely. But I'm saying in the material space, is there any person or entity or someone that you're like, man, I respect the work ethic and I could take a lot of the formulas that they've discovered in their craft. Oh, of course, there's lots of people like that. There's a lot, like Benjamin Franklin, Rockefeller, a lot. Even some actors, I would say, yes. What I mean to say is that I don't glorify anything they say as like being factual. Right, in the right, sense right. That they're in the business of showmanship. There's a reason why they're super leftist. I have a friend who is a very popular actor here in India. And she makes these videos like when the COVID thing was happening. She would make videos about how to wear a mask correctly and then tell everyone you should wear a mask. I have never seen her wear a mask. Really? And is she she worshipped? Yeah, she's quite worshipped. So what I mean to say is that a lot of people, especially in the whole entertainment business, they say what is acceptable to be said. They say the things that are going to improve their career and they never say things that are going to hurt their career. They're not in the truth business. They're in the business of personal like PR, basically. How can I improve my relationship with people even if I have to lie? They're essentially politicians in their own way. I agree with you there where in Will Smith's book, he talks about where a lot of his friends used to think that he just lied. Especially because, I mean, he was constructing an image of himself to give to the public. So when you say he's a clown, I do see where you're coming from. Where, yes, you have to entertain uh, to make a living. But I also feel like when you say clown, you're saying like, yeah, this guy's a clown. This guy's not someone who takes seriously. <laughs> I don't mean that in an insulting way. You know? <laughs> no, but I, I'm sure you... Like, you sort of do, though, right? Where <laughs> so, it's the, Right, right. Where <laughs> my thing is, I get the clown part where, like, <laughs> where, like, these politicians, everyone, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll say what I need to say to my constituents to get a vote. Exactly. Where I get that part. But my thing is, if you're in the top of your field, I know I could learn something from you that I could cross-apply to Armani Talks brand. Where, of course. Where with you, Harsh, I guarantee if you read Will Smith's book, there's going to be some advice that he gives in this book where you're like, huh, I could actually use that to make life math money even better. Probably. I'm not denying that. What I mean to say is that he's still a clown. (laughs) I'm not saying I I can't learn anything from someone who has clownish behavior. I don't know why, but that's so funny to me. (laughs) Just calling someone a clown. There's two... (laughs) <laughs> there's two things that make me laugh a lot when someone calls someone else a clown and when someone calls someone else a coward where where if you call a proud person a coward they'll suddenly lose it they'll start becoming so pissed like why do you call me a coward explain give me a rationale sort of that's always made me laugh <laughs> yeah it trolls them a lot doesn't it right so, but you have to admit, Arman, anyone who lets their wife sleep with someone else willingly is a clown. In fact, that's an insult to clowns. <laughs> okay, now now we're moving the goalpost. Are we talking about his career or his personal life? Yes. Both? I don't know anything about his career, so I can't comment on that. I'm just speaking from the fact that he lets someone sleep with his wife. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. If we're talking about like that. Cheating, it was like, please go sleep with him type of stuff, like from the way you present it. That's 
I can't respect it in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about that, then, yeah. In that regards, he's absolutely a clown. Where if you're getting cucked, if you're doing the sort of <laughs> stuff where you're letting your woman sleep with another guy and you're like, all right, love goes through anything. No, nah, I'm not for that at all. I do know some dating coaches that are like, oh, no, no, you need to accept cheating because it's just That's, a part of accepting. I accept like, in the sense that I accept like a partially open relationship where I can sleep with more women, but she can just sleep with me. That's acceptable. But I can't think of a scenario where the woman can sleep with other men. That's not okay. Right. Where in that table talk where Will Smith and Jada, they're talking to each other. Will's pretty much implying, yeah, I've cheated multiple times too. And apparently behind the scenes, they're aware of that. Where it's pretty well known that Will Smith has slept around with multiple women. It's just no one knew about Jada's side before. And that's what became public. That's why it was a bad look for him. And that's why people were it was shameful. And when you're watching the entire table talk, it it just made you cringe. It, It was a weird, strange feeling. It didn't feel good. And you were seeing this uh and here's the thing. He's an A list actor. While her acting career or yeah, her acting career never took off. You could say she's a C rated actress. So just seeing this dynamic playing out, it didn't look right. And more importantly, to me, it hurt his perception. Absolutely. So if we're talking about that, his personal life, yeah, I mean, my dude will has some clown-like activities. But in terms of <laughs> a profession, I, I, I don't think I would say that any profession that's primarily based around entertainment in the sense that like you just exist to entertain other people, entertain other people, you're a clown. Like whether you like it or not, okay, you might be a very committed, very high work ethic clown. You might be doing clowning at scale. <laughs> you might be a very well known clown. You might be such a good clown that you might actually become a politician, but you are a clown. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't even read the rest of the Will Smith book without laughing. It is how it is, you know. Like imagine dedicating your life to basically entertainment entertaining other people. Like you could have done anything. You could have like been a researcher, you could have been a doctor, you could have done anything to add value to the world. And you decided to become an entertainer. And this like this is my broad perspective okay like if, if for example let's take someone like magnus carlson okay all he does like he's a one of the top rated chess players in the world but at the end of the day he's a clown you think he's a clown too oh, his life is dedicated to playing a board game but what's your definition who isn't a clown because everyone works <laughs> business business in itself i mean you have customers that you got to create products People that they who like are trying to make the world better add value to the world are not clowns they might make less money but they're not clowns i'll give you an example a doctor he makes way less money than an actor but he is not a clown he's actually making people's lives better beyond just laughs you see what i mean there's I a difference but here's the thing here's where For i'm example, gonna the farmer who grows you know food is not a clown 
he might be poor but he's not a clown and i'm not saying clown is a bad thing i'm just like telling you what it is in the sense that i'm not i'm not using clown in an insulting way i mean that this is a guy <laughs> a guy who's an entertainer he wakes up he dresses up he does his thing in the same way and for the same reason a clown does <laughs> and that makes like i'm not you can't dispute that you yeah you have to agree like i see where you're coming james kobe wakes up in the morning plays basketball is to entertain people and make money the reason um your clown wakes up in the morning wears his red nose does his dance and goes home is to make money and entertain <laughs> people it's the same thing but different activity like the motivation is the same you see what i mean i do see what you're saying but i, I really think harsh with with that <laughs> perception you're opening up a lot of fields to being clowns yes i i know i know what i said <laughs> <laughs> perfectly where Here, here's the thing though i think the thing that we're deferring on is that you don't view entertainment as a form of value where i, I do view it- i just i do i'm not saying entertainment is not a form of value you see what i mean i'm not deriding clowns i'm just like making aware of what's happening I'm not insulting clowns. You see, you know what I mean. I'm not using it in an insulting way. I'm just showing, like, like this is what you're doing. I'm not insulting clowns. If you want to be a clown, you should be a clown. But you should know what you're getting into. Right, right. But what you're ultimately, I mean, I know you're not insulting the clown profession. But what you are saying is that entertainment isn't that valuable. Where if you're gonna dedicate your life to something, uh, dedicate it to something more valuable. providing value to uh, the wider scope of people or my perception is that giving entertainment is value it's it's highly important and here's why let's say you're moving to a new place for the first time you don't know anyone most people harsh they're not like you where they don't consume any form of tv any form of entertainment at all for some days to weeks i mean after their gym sessions after they're done being productive they're going to kill some time watching a tv letting the tv play out where they're not completely silent by themselves especially if they move to a new place a lot of times when uncles and aunties get together in a house as they're warming up the conversation they'll have a tv playing in the background which just creates an informal atmosphere the average person nowadays consumes 5 to 7 hours of media a day I mean I think you consume different media but tons of people I mean they're on YouTube they're on TikTok they're on these different apps consuming entertainment so I think entertainment is very valuable to the economy and I think that's one of the reasons why these get it's get paid so much because there's so much demand for them Arman I know what you're trying to tell me I think we're talking about different things okay I'll just like put it like this I know what you're trying to convey that people need entertainment or like the you know to live a happy life and a complete life and you can't like just be working all the time correct is that what you're trying to communicate I'm trying to communicate that and that entertainment does provide some sort of useful value to other people True okay makes sense okay Now I'll tell you a bit historically that people who were like say actors okay like they were like people who were doing plays it was not considered to be a great profession in the sense that you were your like your life was dedicated to be pretending to be other people basically right so it was not considered to be 
some someone to look up to like they were just entertainers now i'm not saying that entertainers don't produce any value i'm not saying people don't need entertainment i'm not saying entertainers don't deserve money and i'm not even saying that entertainers are bad people what i'm saying is that being an entertainer is a much less respectable profession to me than a profession that directly adds value to people in more important ways than just making them laugh mhm for example i respect a soldier who fights for the country more than someone who makes people laugh even the gu- even though the guy who's making people laugh as a comedian makes more money like just because someone makes more money does not make them more respectable yeah i don't agree with that either i don't think just because they make more money they're more respectable or there are tons of more professions that i think are more respectable than actors or exactly i so get actors that actors are like the equivalent of clowns to me in the sense that you know a clown like who works at a circus mm-hmm. i think that his job is on the exact same level as will smith's job like exact same level even though will smith is way more famous makes way more money they are on the same category as far as i'm concerned okay i mean i i see where you're coming from like as you're outlining your uh, fundamental beliefs i see where you're coming from i mean i'm not going to debate with you on that because we do have different perceptions of the value ladder you see what i'm saying Mm-hmm. where where i mean i i get what you're saying i uh, i really do where when you're talking about clowns you're talking about entertainment as a whole because ultimately you do get paid if you can make someone laugh or you could make someone feel a certain type of way so you are working for an audience but out of curiosity harsh with that perspective would you say a lot of businessmen are clowns it depends on the business they are in for example if you if your business is being an only fan girl fans girl then you are essentially a clown in your case you are both a prostitute and a clown what about a guy like dana white who's the owner of the ufc where he says stuff like whatever he runs our audience a clown wants company, but he's not the clown there's a difference okay so do you feel professional fighters as clowns too Yes. But not exactly oh. clowns in the sense that I don't know what to say about professional fighters. Like they are in the entertainment business, they are entertainers. So they are in the same category as clowns. But their skill is more useful than acting. Like you can actually use it to defend a country in a war. So it is well, less oh, it's 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 It is still showmanship it is still to a level clowning but for example Harsh, Harsh, I think if we peel back that layer of your definitional clown a lot of professions are going to fall in that category what I about know. a professional bodybuilder they're a clown too clown yes yes okay okay I, i see where you're going with this what is a professional bodybuilder doing he's essentially <laughs> doing clown work <laughs> This is so funny to me because I've never heard this angle, that this insight regarding this field. So I'm having a good time hearing how you're 
processing this. <laughs> I'm, of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit, you know, like just for the right, comedic right. purpose of it. But you right, see but, what but, I mean to say, right? Like if your ex- like if your life is like, you know, your reason, your career, what you do, what you produce in the world, is just entertainment. And then how are you different from a clown? Like I want to hear their logic. Like how are you different? Like just because you don't dress up as a clown, you don't have a red nose. Do you think what you're doing is any better than what a clown is doing? And if so, I would like to listen. I would. I w- I want the explanation with logic. I don't want you to just demean clowns as idiots. Like let's take clown as a normal profession. How is what an other entertainer does better than what what a clown does without say dismissing a clown's occupation? And the the thing is. I don't think you have to dismiss it. I just think it becomes risky when we cross combine fields where with that definition that if you're providing useful value to someone that isn't tangible, let's say by fighting them or by giving them an actual product, but you're giving them a certain feeling that that is not useful value. Then no, that's... See, when you're selling a product, you're a businessman. You yourself, your body is not being used to provide entertainment. There's mm. a difference. If I sell cocaine, like let me if ask someone you, sells cocaine. Is, is Joe Rogan a clown? No. So how is he not a clown? Because he's not doing his podcast for just entertainment, right? He's also spreading a lot of information, etc. I see he's where not... you're going with this. You are not a big fan of entertainment. What about edutainment? That is not clowning. That's just teaching. Okay, okay. See, this is where we're uh, deferring, where you view education and entertainment in completely different fields. Well, na- we're, nowadays, they're combining the two, where if you want to survive in the internet age, you got to have some sort of edutainment to you. You need to have some showmanship, yes. I mean, even with Life Math Money, I will sometimes make jokes and I will sometimes present things in a more humorous way. But my purpose <laughs> is not entertaining you. My purpose is teaching you. There is a difference in the motivation. I'm not someone who is making you laugh and teaching you at the same time. I'm someone who's teaching you and also making you laugh sometimes. There's a difference there. I get your thing with the clown. Like If we're, if we're going to be like, okay, strictly professionally speaking, then yeah, they're, they're probably not too different because they're both providing some sort of feeling. But if we're talking about the context, you see what I'm saying? Like, let's say I call you a dummy right now. Where is dummy seen as an insult? Um, like, do you know what that means? I think a dummy is like a doll, right? Right, right. Like someone that's, um, but it, it's not only a doll. That's like the objective part of it. But the subjective part is if I call you a dummy, that's like me saying you're not smart. Where okay. the clown, where yes, objectively, is a profession. And I get it. If you're a clown listening to the Unapologetic Truths podcast, apologies if we've been offending you thus far. But that's the objective side. Where the subjective side is that you call someone a clown, you're basically saying that the person's silly. That the person is... <laughs> no comment, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that's news to me. <laughs> what? I have just been referring to clowns as a profession and not as an insult, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like yes. if you think about it, Arman, like someone, let's take a professional chess player or a professional swimmer. This is a guy who dedicates his entire life to a board game. 
I don't know how else to put it. Like this is how I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's thousands of people who tune in to watch that guy play the board game. Yeah, so he's a clown that's at scale. That's fine. <laughs> like you, if you have a circus, okay, and then the circus is very popular on TV. People love watching it. You make a lot of money. Does it mean you no longer like it's not a circus anymore? No, it's still a circus. Exactly. It's still a it's circus. Just you're doing it at scale, and. I have nothing I have no problems with that you know like if you want to play chess all your life and make a lot of money do it but at the end of your life you can't think that I did a lot of good for the world but what about the people that are watching this player and they're getting inspired to play uh, chess themselves on. you know that's a cope that's copium you know that's copium so? yeah it's like you know it's like for example if you know there's a pickpocket okay he picks 100 people's 100 people's pockets and then he tells himself ah maybe i picked one guy's pocket and now he's going to work harder because he needs the money more mm, i don't see the analogy where okay hypothetically let's say someone is reading your blog and they're like wow this guy's such a great writer he's actually putting a lot of words to the feelings that i i feel Huh, uh, what about I start a blog myself? So rather than being on the internet just wasting time, I too start a blog. There's a difference of intent here, Arman, in the sense that there is, you know, something that happens by accident and something you an effect you intended to happen. For example, a ch- like for example, any clown, let's say, he's not and, and I mean like a clown. Like an actual a clown, clown is not yeah, a clown is not doing his clowning because he wants to inspire other people he's just doing the clowning to make money and make people laugh like and primarily make money and he's not adding in my opinion a lot of utility to the world and he, he, even though it might inspire some people to also become clowns it might inspire people to work harder by accident that's not his primary purpose but but harsh i don't think it needs to be his primary purpose because Initially, you started the blog because of Victor Pride and Mike Cernovich, right? Yes. I don't think they're ever like, all right, well, we're creating the blog so we can inspire people to blog themselves. Actually, that's not true. Victor Pride actually wrote a book on how you can start uh, a blog and wrote multiple articles on how you can become a a blogger and how to write better articles. Right, right. But I I would say for the most... So does Cernovich? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's not the best example, but I'm certain that a lot of people that are getting inspired by people, it's not always because the person said that intent, like, I'm here to inspire you. They're often getting becoming a master at their craft, whatever they've chosen. And then yes. the byproduct of that is getting people inspired. It's Arman, like, let me ask you something. Can a clown yes. not inspire other people to become clowns? Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Exactly. So a clown can be inspiring, right? Yes, any so profession can be inspiring. Point. Exactly, exactly. Any profession can be inspiring. So how does that have to... So it can't... It's impossible for what you're saying to actually show that an, an entertainer is not in the same category as a clown. Because a clown can be inspiring as well by accident. No, no, I said I agree with you in the objective side where you're like, yeah, yeah, like creating feelings in someone else. If we're saying that... Using a, your body... Right, if you're using that definition, creating feelings in someone else, and you're like saying that's you, what a clown does, that's what an entertainer does too. No, but if we're I talking see, about 
I want to draw on like just just sorry to interrupt you again, but like what I mean to say is using your body in the sense that if you wrote a program like a a code, and your program is actually providing the entertainment, let's say it's an auto generator for code, then you're not a clown, then you're just a programmer, and you're providing a service. I mean, using your physical body to actually give people entertainment. Like this is why you exist. This is what you do. Like this is what you dress up for. That's uh, in the same category as a clown. Like that's literally the, in the same category as a clown. It's just different activity. Harsh, I don't think you get it though. But every, almost every profession at the fundamental level is going to then become a clown. Can you give so, me an example of like a fundamental? Body, that is a clown. Going to become a clown. Joe Ro- uh, podcasting is going to become a clown. We if become your clowns because we have to, f- to provide entertainment. <laughs> That's a clown. <laughs> because we're we're not over here trying to educate people. We're over here I'm entertaining not people. I'm not trying to educate and entertain people at all. Listen, we're educating and we're entertaining. We're like yes, joking as I, well. My primary purpose is to educate. I'm doing the entertainment stuff just so that people listen to me and people don't click away. But if but I edu- could just seriously educate, I would do that. And I also like having fun, like, you know, on the podcast. But my primary purpose is not to provide entertainment. It's to provide education. But with that perception, Harsh, then everyone is just going to talk like robots. I mean, yes, no, you I'm, could educate. You could edu- okay to have showmanship. That's what I'm telling you. There's nothing wrong with clowning. Clowning, like, right. But just because you're clowning doesn't make you a clown. But if all you're doing is clowning, that means you're a clown. <laughs> like if I bark, it won't make me a dog. But if all I do is bark, then the probability increases. <laughs> I see what you're saying, man. I mean, uh, we could keep this going, but... <laughs> it's actually really funny. <laughs> I love this kind of thing. You're making me second guess all these professions now. I'm like, next time I see Conor McGregor fighting, I'm like, man, he needs that red nose on his face. With see, think of makeup. it like this. If this profession didn't exist, would the world, it wouldn't impact the world in a negative way. Like if doctors didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? Yes. If soldiers didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? Yes. If farmers didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? Yes. If writers didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? Yes. If cricketers didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? No. You see what I mean? If the Olympic swimming team didn't exist, would it impact the world in a negative way? No. We don't know that. We're at the surface level. It seems like, oh, you just take it away. But a lot of these institutions, a lot of these empires are built with a lot of subsections as well. It's like, it's like, it's like hypothetically. I mean, I mean, like, you, you know, l- right? no, 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 let me tell you a real story. I believe 2020, 2021, uh, there was a, a guy that I know in Tampa Bay region who was about to lose his business. Uh, he runs a bar in the downtown Tampa area, and mm-hmm. no one was coming after the coronavirus. But around that time, Tom Brady, who's one of the most famous uh, football players of all time, came to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and won us a Super Bowl in his first year there. And what happened with him being there was that everyone started to come to this guy's bar because he was right by uh, the stadium, right by the football stadium. He's very so, popular. Who, Tom Brady or the bar guy? Yeah, the no, Tom Brady. The guy who came, right, yeah. Tom Brady. So him, now, he's able to uh, keep his business going. So it's like, 
you don't know the ripple effects of athletics or entertainment as a whole. Where with Tom Brady coming, now a bunch of businesses around the Tampa Bay area are thriving. Do you see? So if you just say, oh, well, if Tom Brady's gone, uh, is the world going to be a worse place? I mean, if you want to deep dive into it, yeah. I mean, in some ways, like a lot of businesses, bars, uh, entertainment, ticket uh, um, manufacturing companies, they are going to be affected. All these things, Harsh, they're interconnected. Where Arman, far, I think yes. you went to technical and like missed the point. Like, let, let me let me like tell you, like let me tell you what I was saying in the sense. Let me ask you an analogous question: Is the most notorious terrorist in the world? If he disappears, would it be? Would the world be a better place or not? Well, if he disappears, will will it be a better place? Yes. It would, right? But then I could make the same argument that this guy is responsible for keeping a lot of hotel industries and things like that afloat. You know what I mean? So right. You're trying to, you, I, I think you missed the point of what I was trying to communicate. What I was trying to communicate was that certain professions add significantly less value than certain other professions. And I'm not trying to demean any profession that adds less value, but it adds less value. That's a fact. Even though it might be very scalable, it might make a lot of money, but the fact is that it's not adding as much value. But fact of who? Who decides value? That's a big question. No, you can decide it. If you were running a country, would you rather run a country of actors or a country of soldiers? But that's a that's a binary way of looking at it. No, it's it's, I'm just looking at at more like Mm -hmm. I see. I know where you're coming from. What I'm trying to say is that. Just how a clown exists in his thing, he does his thing. <laughs> These guys are also clowns, and it's okay to be a clown. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to be a clown. But people will say that about writers too. They'll be like, "Well, why do you need writers then?" To pass on information to future generations. Right. So that's one. The thing is, with information, that's one type of value. While with entertainment, that's another type of value as well. Of course, I'm not saying that there's no value. That's not what I'm saying. You, you see, you're assuming that just because I'm calling someone a clown, <laughs> I'm saying that they add no value or their work is worthless. What I'm saying is that they are doing the same things a clown does. That's it. I think you're assessing I want value. Them to be aware of what they're doing, you know. I, <laughs> I think before you go and worship any actor, just think about it for a minute. Like this guy is not any different from a clown. No, no, you're you're taking. See, now you're moving the goalpost, where it's like we're worshiping it. I'm not necessarily worshiping. I'm saying that I respect the profession. Where yeah, I think you, I you're, the clown uh, profession. Harsh, I don't disrespect it at all. <laughs> where I think you're uh, evaluating whether someone's a clown or not simply through the lens of self improvement. You're like, if this adds value or not, then fine. But another part you gotta assess it from is social life as well. Where social life, if you're bringing a bunch of people into a group, then what takes precedence is entertainment over education alone. So yeah, if someone's getting into self-improvement for the first time, then they're going to be like, yeah, books, that's the most valuable. But if you're with a group of people, if you're on a date with a girl and you're like, okay, let's go read a book together. They're going to be like, what the hell? There's no value. But if you say, hey, let's go watch this comedy show together. Now you're creating memories with this person, which is a different kind of value. You just got to focus on the context. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying that there is no value. Like, like I said, you know, like I could take a girl out and go to a circus. And it right. would be very similar to me going to a comedy show. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. If we're like... They're in the looking, same category. Yeah. And if we're looking at it like that, where we're saying, okay, I'm actually going to go to a circus with this girl. I think that's smart. 
Because yes, now the clown is giving a lot of value. What I'm saying is exactly. when we call the clown, like traditionally speaking, if I say, yo, Harsh, you're a clown. <laughs> even though even though this conversation thus far for the past 20 minutes have probably been getting people to laugh, you may even be like, well, man, why are you calling me a clown for? It's something that like is an insult. I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, Let me ask you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious because as i'm reading through the will smith book i'm literally just gonna be picturing him as a clown right now well that's a profession he chose so it's i have not I, I, i'm not disrespecting clowns by the way except like i would not call will smith a clown because clowns will probably not let their wives fuck someone else <laughs> that, i don't want to insult clowns clowns is a normal profession as far as i'm concerned all i'm saying is that people whose primary purpose of existing is entertainment like entertaining other people are in the same category of business as the in the same category of people as a clown and i'm not saying that in a negative way or in an, or in an insulting way i'm saying it as a matter of fact like it is true Right. Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're like boiling it down to the definition of providing feelings like, and others, in, then yeah. In many I, ways, I say, like the business that I'm in with Life Math Money is in the same category of business as a priest is, right? But I'm like 95% sure, like w- if you think about your definition, Joe Rogan becomes a clown. I don't think no, he wakes Joe up Rogan, in the morning, but I don't think he wakes up in the morning and says, I'm trying to inter- educate these people. I'm pretty sure he's just thinking, all right, let me burn and let me start this podcast and see where it goes. And he's leading more with entertainment mentality than education mentality. So with Actually, that definition... that's true. I don't think that's true. I've watched a lot of Joe Rogan's podcasts. I don't think it's primarily entertainment, although entertainment is a huge part of it. But I don't think it's primarily entertainment. I do think the whole comedian side of him is clowning. And, he's and I don't comedian. mean that in a negative way, you know, you know, like, I don't mean that as a, in like a, in a disparaging way. I mean that as a matter of fact, like a comedian is essentially like any other showman, like a magician or a clown. They're doing the same thing. They go on stage and they entertain people. Yes. Yeah, Hirsch, I mean, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree on the part where. I do think if you create feelings in others, you Arman, become clown like if we use a different word from clown, let's say magician or something. No, no, but where I think we're different <laughs> is in the fundamental belief that entertainment isn't um I'm trying to say, because I know you think entertainment is valuable. Like we've talked about that already. But I'm talking about in the pedigree. I just think it's a less important profession. Less important, right, right. And I I would say we gotta We'd have to probably talk for another hour to decide what's important, what's not important. I can tell you what's important. Like, what's important is what fighting, a society needs right. to survive. Yeah, right, like, right. Producing food, fighting, teaching is important. Writing is important. Keeping notes is important. Governing is important. Policing is important. So, what a society needs to survive is the most important. The second is like you don't really need it, but it's good to have. You know, like accounting, lawyers, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, third is just blind entertainment right and somewhere in here i would say artists fall where they are not exactly entertainers like a painter is not an entertainer right he isn't dancing around he's making paintings 
So somewhere in the middle, I don't know where exactly I would place them. But I can like tell you which professions are important or not. I don't think it's very debatable. Like a bodybuilder is definitely an entertainer. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly depends. I mean, I, I get your... I think where the disagreement happens is when we... You just don't like, like the negative connotation with the word clown where it's no, no, used no. to like, you know, insult someone. No, no, no. I think the biggest difference is we're like comparing fields that don't need to be compared. What needs to be compared? I mean, if we're going to be talking about, let's say, writers, if you say something like, okay, I think nonfiction writers are better than fiction writers, I sort of see that. I'm like, okay, well, you're speaking about writing. But if but you're telling you me... say the same thing about anything, you know? We don't need to compare fiction and nonfiction writers. You know, where does this not needing to compare end? Well, that's what allows for creativity when you allow for the emergence of more things but if you keep saying okay well this is more important than that then you kill off a lot of innovation why does it kill off innovation i'm not stopping anyone from being a clown (laughs) i'm just like if my son came up to me and said daddy i have two options i can either become a doctor or i can become a comedian and i'm what should i become i'm going to tell him that one is going to add more value to the world but make you less money and the other is going to make you way more money but going to essentially be a lower quality of um, how to put it in the sense it would it would not Person. be yeah it would not be you have not given as much as society in your life like you cannot like when you are much older you can't think I've helped a lot of people live better lives or something like that you know you just did it for money you're a sellout in a way and mm. he will have his free choice but this is what I would tell my son. And I don't mean, I, there's nothing wrong with being a comedian or a doctor. But it, the fact of the matter is that the world needs doctors more than it needs comedians. Right. And I think it comes down to their natural talent too. Like if they're naturally a funny guy, because if my son's coming to me and he's like, yo, uh, dad, should I become a doctor or a comedian? If that scenario ever comes up, I'm going to first assess that guy. Like if you're... I'm not going to be the traditional parent in like they see parents who's like, okay, you are either going to be a doctor or an engineer, which is typically the way to do it. I'm going to assess this guy's value. Like, is this guy even interested in the medical field? If so, then yeah, go do what you got to do with medicine. But if you're naturally a funny guy, comedy comes easy to you. I would tell them to hone in on the skill and build an empire around you rather than being a doctor. So you I know, see what I you're think- saying with value, but you, I'm more so re- I'm more so concerned about someone's skill set. Like, what can you do rather than me trying to shove a square box in a circle hole? I see where you're coming from. I would probably behave the same way you behave in the sense that if the kid has a skill in certain fields, then he should pursue it. But the fact remains that his skills were in clowning. <laughs> like it, it, it's just a fact. Like you know, grass is green. Yeah. Does it mean green is bad? No. No, it's not bad. I mean, it's um. I don't even know. It's a fact. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like you see what I mean? Like I'm I not see what you mean. saying it's bad to be a clown, but you got to know what you're getting into. Yeah, I mean. And of course, I'm trying to send the message with this podcast that people should not 
look up to entertainers as if they are some heavenly deity or something they're clowns like know that think, like if you, before you worship someone like i don't think you should look up to any human i think you should be learning from everyone to a point where you're not getting blind spots but what, the minute that you are looking up to just one person what if they say something that you vehemently disagree with or i get your point in that i mean i've never said that where it's like i worship a celebrity cuz they're top of the field my i think this initially started with will smith and seeing will smith as an actor and what i was saying was that you could learn a lot about your Do career you have his wife's number <laughs> i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the whole internet has it at this point <laughs> all the kids blink what call of duty <laughs> what's a call of duty what's what's up with my voice today i don't know maybe you're dehydrated i don't know i just keep like you know after like every 20 minutes of speaking i just can't speak after like slow down and drink some water mhm yeah i always have a big water bottle with me uh, just as i'm uh, doing these episodes let me google i don't even know what his wife looks like one sec well smith wife jada pinkett smith it says shiri zampino who she zampino i think that was his first wife no no that's not his wife just type in jada pinkett smith ha huh. this woman has a boycott right ha huh. why did he marry her so type in jada pinkett smith young wait jada pink like i like if this woman cheats i don't i don't I think it wasn't even cheating, right? He said that it was with his permission. So that's what August Alsina said. But when asked, when Will Smith was asked, he said he never gave permission. Okay, Jada Pinkett Smith, young, right? Okay, Jada Pinkett Smith, young. She looks okay when she was young. Mm-hmm. Like not bad. Oh, the second photo is weird. Like, check the link. She's wearing some blue dress with sunglasses. It looks weird. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, this was the '90s style. Oh, this was the '90s style. Okay. Is the guy next to her Will Smith? Right, that's Will Smith. Ah, uh, okay. Have you seen him before? I've seen the f- image of him like almost crying, as if like he was crying all night, and then he was brought <laughs> here. Oh, you're talking about that's the red table talk where they're having a conversation about that affair. Uh, interesting. She's significantly shorter than him. Like I think a foot or maybe more. Right. I yeah, think I he's six. Man. I think he's like six two or something. I don't know how a guy can like be okay with this arrangement, the whole open marriage thing. That's that's something that I would never be cool with. And I mean, there's that primal side within guys that's uh, territorial. Dude, you have to be that way. Otherwise, how would you ever know that the kid she will have is yours or not? And you don't want to be stuck raising someone else's kid, do you? Well, this is this is what showed the bias in the media. Where when this whole thing came out with what do you call it, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, she's saying stuff like entanglement. Here's the crazy part. 
the guy that she hooked up with was her son's friend, right? So imagine if the roles were reversed. Imagine if Will Smith hooked up with his teenage daughter's friend. Dude, the media would be going crazy. They'd be like, oh my God, he manipulated uh, this person. I mean, this isn't right. He cheated on her. But when this whole thing came out, it just showed how biased the media is. Yeah, the media is very, very biased. And it's it's extremely anti-man, like extremely, extremely anti-man. For example, there have been cases in India where the police beat up some guy for no reason. And nothing, it doesn't even end up in the media. And if the police ever touches a girl, it's going to be all over the news. So it's like if you're a guy, you're essentially essentially disposable. Like That's how you're treated. So there is a huge bias. But I think that the media is losing its power and we are moving to a more sovereign economy with crypto. Like, I don't want to be the guy who says crypto fixes everything. But it does. Not everything, but a lot of things. I'm pretty sure one of the most recent times where a lot of people are like, hmm, the media is full of shit is with the whole Joe Rogan controversy where they're trying to paint him out to be a racist. Where I think most Trump people who was where it started, didn't it? Like Trump was all Trump fake news. it's it's yeah, well he popularized the term. Trump popularized the term fake news, but that's when a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah, they're fake news. But another part was like, oh, no, no, Trump is just uh, not a good guy. But with Joe Rogan, most people were in clear understanding where if you watch the Joe Rogan experience, they're like, this guy racist? Nah, man, you're definitely crazy. Now, wait a minute. Why is the media constantly uh, pushing that Joe Rogan's racist? And that's when like the average Joe is starting to wake up. They're like, what else is the media trying to get me to think like? I support the current thing. <clears throat> I still don't get how some people take the mainstream media as law. I support the current thing. I will believe what I was programmed to believe. <laughs> Do any of your friends try to... Are any of your friends woke? Some of them. Um, I would not... I have a very... Like like I told you in the previous time we talked, I have like three close friends. But when I say friend here, I mean like acquaintances. And a lot of them are woke. I just know how to deal with them. Does it ever hurt your friendship that you're woke or they're woke and you're not? Do they try to convert you or do you try to convert them? I think that wokes don't try to convert you in any traditional way. They just attack you if they... Realize you're not woke, you know. Like they, have you been attacked by them? A lot of times, but I know how to deal with it. Like the way you deal with it is to like not disagree, but not agree either, and just keep asking questions as if you want to keep learning more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And to mock them subtly, like they should realize that they're being ridiculous, without you being overt. Because when you're overt, you kind of destroy the friendship you know let me give you an example okay let's say that there's someone who is let's take the whole transgender thing as an example let's take someone really believes that a man can identify as a woman and a woman can identify as a man okay and 
they let let's say they also believe that men should be like they should pay for dates or something so i i would say okay that makes sense to me i identify as a woman so you have to pay the bill today and then you make them pay because if they resist then you're transphobes and then you make fun of them for being transphobes and that's a light-hearted way of communicating that they're ridiculous then what do they say they get it in the sense that most people are reasonable even if they are leftists or woke like they're not they're not as unreasonable as they are on the internet but in real life like they see what you're saying i don't have any crazy feminazi type friends though no so are they the type of are they the type of friends that are actually your friends within the core 3 group that you mentioned or are they outside no 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 they're outside of that way outside okay so they're more acquaintances yeah more acquaintances typically though i will not just get into the whole topic of like where we might disagree with acquaintances you know it's it's just bad social skills mhm like it's best to just agree like for example i had a friend like this this is a girl i met like not a friend exactly an acquaintance after some show that i went to a hookup buddy what i was like a hookup buddy no no just just some chick not 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 a hookup buddy right. so this chick was um all like she she apparently works she helps the government get some things done like she helps government staff so i was talking with her and she was telling me that we need more protection for women and i was like hey that's interesting why do you think so and then she was like women are like exploited and like not treated fairly and you know i could have like gotten into an argument with her about how that's not true and how men are also treated unfairly and we need protection for both men and women but i was like ah that makes sense i see where you're coming from okay like i i didn't disagree with her i didn't agree with her i just said that makes sense like i can see where you're coming from and you don't have to like actually argue with people because even if i go got into an argument with her what would it bring to me when someone's fundamental beliefs are different there's no point i mean you could do it for entertainment purposes but if you're over here trying to change their mind most likely not going to happen yeah you can't really change people's mind by arguing with them you know that's not how it works I think it's very difficult to change someone's mind unless their mind is open to being changed. My philosophy is if I'm not getting paid to change your mind, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Why am well, I going to do it? I'm wasting just sometimes, you know, you sometimes example, sometimes, yeah. There are advantages. Where I get it, where if you're in a leadership position and you have to whatever, but I'm talking about with friends, someone who Every now and then someone will write a comment on your tweet. I disagree. Change my mind. I'm like why the hell am I going to waste my time changing your mind? Especially if I have better things to do. No, no, Arman, there are several advantages too. Let me let me give you an example, okay? Like the entire media is in the industry of changing people's minds, right? Like why yes. are they trying to change people's minds about Joe Rogan being racist? Because they want more power. Like whoever runs this media organization wants Joe Rogan to have less influence less power so all of these are essentially an influence game so sometimes there are some causes you might believe in 
that you want to propagate and in those cases there is an advantage to changing people's minds for example like i was with this same chick she was like all the crimes happens against women and i just told her actually that's not true i've heard that xyz like men are often falsely accused of rape by women and then they have to suffer all these you know horrible stuff that happens to them and you know that kind of got her closer to center like i you know there's a there's a way of doing it like you know well, i can't you're just not say changing, women, yeah you're not no. changing her mind you're further informing her allowing her to make her own decision yes but i'm also like helping her like in the future whenever she is more open to changing her mind she will have some more information or you know she will be more willing to change her mind and there are some causes which are worth promoting for example yeah. like the one i just gave you right so there is some value there but definitely arguing with people is a waste of time right and here's the thing i believe in informing people where if joe rogan's like no 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 i'm not a racist and here's why which he started off with but then he started to double down on his content which allowed people to be like okay i mean this guy's definitely not racist where some people when they see that joe rogan they perceive him as racist no matter what you tell them with logic they're not going to listen to you while some people would would what you did with your friend where you were giving certain statistics and her mind was still open enough that's already a mind that's capable of changing versus a mind that's like oh no i already made up my mind and i'm just waiting to prove you wrong true but i think that with enough social skills you can make some headway with everyone it's just that sometimes it's not worth it right i i think you should be doubling down on the people who are already learning or on the open to learning versus the people who are just entering to start an argument and that requires tact i mean to see who actually wants to talk versus who wants to argue you ever Agreed. dated a you ever dated a feminist before not this very staunch feminist no mhm like nothing like not not the crazy version i think all girls are feminists at some level right but not the crazy one i noticed like with feminists like girls like if you're getting with them where yeah if they're not like the super blue haired ones a lot of them are cool in many fields where they get you but certain parts are deal breakers you know armand it actually depends i'll give you an example okay like i dated a girl who was all into her career and like she was a super career type woman okay but she wasn't the crazy feminist type and usually what happens with women is that if they respect you enough they essentially end up adopting your opinions or your way of looking at things so this was a girl who i initially when i met she was completely against say being a housewife and like cooking and in like 2 3 months of like seeing her she was like hey it wouldn't be so bad to be a housewife you know like it's mm-hmm. it's a low pressure thing you get to be more with the kids and this is stuff that she just heard me say before mm so women will like most women if you are high value enough will essentially rewrite their memories and change their mind 
And then act like, hey, I never thought I was a career woman. I was always like this. Right. So with women, it doesn't matter if they're like slightly feminist because all women are slightly feministic. You just, you just want to avoid like the feminazi type women and women who hate men. Like men are trash. If a woman says that, just leave. Yeah, and it's similar, the role reversed where some guys hate women where their whole philosophy is just like, oh no, who needs women? They're not good. It's like if you're an open-minded woman who wants to get in a relationship, you should try to steer clear of those guys. So it's about spotting the red flags in someone and seeing what is not, it's a deal breaker for you. Because if you don't know your deal breakers, then the small red flags aren't even going to be stuff that you notice. True. So there are a lot of guys who hate women too. I think that women are typically aware of these things, you know, like they typically know what to look for or not look for in guys. Like not, not, not women nowadays, but like on a basic primal level, like a woman will typically reject a guy who is shorter than her. Like they instinctively understand that this is not good for her children, like marrying a short guy. So women have somewhat, like I'm not saying they're they're consciously aware of it, aware of it, but at some level they have better selection processes than men. Because most men actually just end up marrying the woman who was the first woman who likes them back. Mm-hmm. But with women, they are more selective. Because why do you think that is? Because historically with evolution, a woman needs a guy to survive, but a guy doesn't need a woman to survive, right? Like a man, historically, like, like you know, say 10,000 years ago, a guy could hunt and live his own life with his tribe. He doesn't need to have a wife. But a woman, he need, she needs a guy to provide for her. So she has to be very careful with the guy she picks. Because if she picks a bad, like shitty guy, then he can't provide for her or he might mistreat her or whatever. So women have evolved to be very selective with a guy who they let them breed, who, let, who they allow to fuck them, basically. So that, because they will get pregnant. So they want a guy who, you know, won't abandon them and will still keep providing for them. So women are very selective when it comes to marriage, but men are like, most men are not aware of these things and they don't naturally care as much. So they have to be taught. So we talked about five of the red flags you should avoid in women from that one thread you wrote. Yes. What are two to five of the red flags in men that you think women should avoid? They should avoid men who are essentially man whores in the sense of pickup artist type guy. You really don't want to be married to a pickup artist type guy. Secondly, you want to avoid men one who second, are not ambitious. What if they were like players in the past, but not players where they're not a pickup artist anymore, but they were in the past? Do you think that's think still a red flag? You can look at the past two years of activity in the sense, what has this guy been doing for the past two years? Has he like, there's nothing wrong with being a player. I mean, when I say pickup artists, what happens is that these guys are so used to fucking women without ever getting any, like they've forgotten what attachment means, right? 
so they can't bond as properly okay like they, you see what i mean so there's it's not a huge deal breaker but it's definitely something that you should want to avoid like i would not let my daughter marry a guy who was a makeup artist mhm secondly you want to avoid a guy who's not ambitious you know the type who's is apathetic like uh, okay i don't care about everything laid back type guys you want to avoid that you also want to avoid guys who are not capable even though they might be sexy you know the bad boy type guy who's like super masculine so you like him but he lacks skills capabilities etc so no earning potential you want to avoid that guy you want to look for a guy who is both masculine and intelligent and i know that's a rare combination but that's the ideal masculine and intelligent yes you want the guy who is both a warrior and a scholar okay so pickup artistry no ambition anything else pickup artistry no ambition you also want to avoid guys who are like super short and super that's, short. Super, <laughs> that's really controversial for short guys but it's just, why, why is that a red flag oh for it's, kids it's not a red flag but it's like you do you want your kids to be very short i wouldn't so even like lower iq guys i would not recommend okay so number 3 short anything else well well short is not a red flag i what i mean to say is that if you have an option of marrying a taller guy versus a shorter guy all other things being the same go with the taller guy because i don't want to hate on short guys because i know there's nothing they can do about it it's not their fault but the fact of the matter is that what if it's a short guy that lifts a lot versus a tall guy who doesn't lift i don't know arman i don't know what to say about that the like, favorability towards the lifters or nah i don't know this is a this is a tough question can the tall guy is he like completely opposed to lifting is he lazy by nature yeah i mean he'll do it if you make him but consistency is not promised and is the short guy generally consistent with the things he does in his life is he does he have very good discipline Yes, he's maximized everything that he's capable of controlling. And how different how much is the height difference? Is he like short as in like 5 and 1/2 feet short or like 4 feet short? So one guy is 5 foot 2, the other guy is 6 foot 2. Yeah, go with the 5 foot 2 guy. Okay, so 5 foot 2 works out has good style versus the tall guy. Yeah. So when I say like avoid like short guys, I mean like you know someone who is like actually short short, you know? like 4 feet Oh you, you know what I mean I mean I, you you see you know the point right I see the point Someone, where if you're if you're short and you have no other presence to you I get that where if you're not even if you're short and you're not even optimizing what you're capable of controlling you're just like oh I'm short and I know someone like that he is he's 5 foot 3 but he tells everyone he's 5 foot 6 this guy doesn't go to the gym he doesn't carry about his style I doesn't comb his hair and he's just like girls don't like me because I'm short. I'm like dude, you're not even c- controlling the stuff that you can't control. If you had some sort of presence, you'd probably improve your likelihood. Where I get yeah. it like if you're short, like you're going to have to work a tad bit harder. 
it's like in a public speaking field. If you have an accent or you're young, you're going to have to work harder because older people are often going to be like, well, what can I learn from that young guy? Or other people are going to be like, well, why would I get a guy to MC for my event when he has an accent? So you're going to have to work harder. I mean, that's just reality. Yeah, so that is how it is, you know. No hate against short guys. You know, I know it's not your fault, but it is still a drawback. Yeah, and I mean, you just got to work on what you can control. Where there are people who are short who have such amazing style where you can't even tell they're short anymore. The other thing I would say avoid in a guy is a guy who can't control his anger. That is a huge negative in a man. Like I can't even begin to describe how bad it is for a guy who can't control his anger. What do you think? I mean, this seems like an obvious question, but why do you think it's so bad? Because as a woman, you are at the mercy of the guy, right? Like if a guy wants to kill you, <clears throat> if a guy decides to kill you, he's, there's nothing you can do. Like you're not physically strong enough. So you want someone who has good control over his emotions and is essentially a good guy, kind-hearted person without like not, not a beta male type good guy, but I mean an actual masculine, but good guy. And Angry people, people who can't control their anger cannot be trusted. Mm. Like if they have outbursts, you can't trust them. You just can't. It's like a drug addict, you know, like 90% of the time they're fine. But the 10% of the time you just don't know. I'm surprised you didn't include that on your list. Isn't that obvious though? Does it, does it have to be said? But what if they're they have a drink at the end of the day? That's not an addict. Okay. But yeah, yeah. But what if like hypothetically they drink every day, but it's small? I amount. would avoid that. I would avoid that. But I don't drink, so I have not as much experience in this. Mm-hmm. But usually people who drink end up becoming addicts at some level or the other. Think so? I know some people who drink like a beer after work every day but they drink every day but it's just a beer try asking them to stop and see see how many people can actually stop that's when you will find out how many of them are addicts or not Mm -hmm. good list i mean i don't recall all of them but i'm pretty sure you listed four to five what is your like what traits do you think women should go for or avoid so go for i recommend they have ambition where they're working on their corporate or their business life to a certain degree. I recommend they have, you want to know the good stuff or the bad stuff? Start with the bad stuff, the fun stuff. Okay. So bad stuff is, I'm of the opposite belief. I believe if you have had experience, like if you're a pickup artist uh, and you have experience, I think that's actually, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, but I would say it's, Somewhat of a good thing. Where you, Experience you know. is a good thing, but I mean a pickup artist. Like the guy essentially dedicated his time, dedicates his time to having sex with women. Like just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a different thing. But I'm saying like if you hypothetically have experience with women, I think that's, that's a, a good, good thing, thing. Because now this person is more composed. So I'll put that in the good person list. By the way, that that's a thing- good thing for men. But if you're a woman with experience, that's a heavily negative, you know. Mm-hmm. Just to like clarify 
for the female audience like if you're a female and you've had sex before that's a huge negative for your social market value thinking but go ahead well lack of ambition is obvious the other one is they don't they don't they consume garbage where i judge you a lot about based off of the stuff that you consume so if you say you don't read any books you don't uh, listen to any podcast you're not doing any form of self-improvement at all i think that's a red flag but more specifically if you're just defaulting to listen to garbage all you do is sports where i'm i like sports i, I think you know it could teach you a lot about mental toughness etc but if that's all your life revolves around that's all you could talk about that's a big big red flag you need to have depth so ambition have depth or excuse me, lack of ambition, lack of depth are red flags. And I mean, I don't know what else, man. I mean, I think these are just the two course things that make a guy. Like if you don't have ambition or depth, I mean, everything else is just being redundant at that point. I see. Do you think ambition might have a genetic component to it? Because I think so think so yeah i i'm not saying that if you take two ambitious people and make them have a kid they are going to be like the kid is going to be ambitious but i mean that certain groups of people as a whole tend to have more ambition than other groups of people Mm. i can see that a third one by the way is poor body language time and time again when i see a person slouch and they walk slow they always have demons in their closet. And I'm talking about healthy people that walk slow. This is a person, and this ties it back into number one. It's a red flag because they lack ambition. You shouldn't be walking that slow if you got someplace to go. And this is a pretty controversial opinion of mine, but poor body language. I mean, mopey, low energy. That's a red flag, man. I mean, if you're a winner as a guy, you should be having this type of energy that empowers people whenever they see you. Not the fake type of energy where you're you seem like you're hopped up on Red Bull and coffee, but it's that energy where it's like you're going somewhere. You you know something that other people don't know. That's a winner right there. What's wrong with walking slow? That's interesting, dude. When you drag your feet and you're walking slow, it just shows to me that you don't have a place to go. It's one thing if you had a long day and you're just walking slow to unwind but if you're always if that's your general pace that's not good ha huh, interesting so if you walk slowly without dragging your feet is that okay what i'm trying to like see how you see things if if say someone walks slowly but they're not dragging their feet essentially they walk like it's a stroll in the park is that okay oh like dragging the feet i don't mean it literally it's just a figure of speech which means ah you have no urgency I see. So people like, I walk really slowly, by the way. But that's because I literally, when I go out for a walk, I have nowhere to go, right? Mm. I'm just walking for pleasure. That's different. See, that, because that's where some people will ask a question like, well, what if I'm injured? What if I'm just chilling after a long day? That's different. But I'm saying if you're always walking slow, where it's like, that's just, you never have a place to go. That's a big red flag for me where I'm like, Bro, like you're probably never going to be on time. You probably aren't working on any projects, any side hustles. I mean, 
different people agree uh, disagree with me on that, but it is what it is. That's one of my red flags. That's one of my red flags, ladies. Look out for his walk a pace. I'm disqualified already. <laughs> 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 of all I'm, the things to be disqualified for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one, but all of them tie back to lack of ambition and lack of depth. I mean, you could say like doesn't work out, but that ties back into lack of depth. Where if I talk to you harsh and I already know everything about you, it's like you don't have depth. Where every time I do an episode with you, I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't know that harsh did this. I didn't know, but people should be saying that about you. Like, oh, I didn't know he had this interest. Mm. If people already know you and everything. You don't have depth, buddy. I see. What else? Do you think? Let's combine our list. Are, are we missing anything? I can't think of like. I can think of many things we're missing, but they're all just like obvious points, you know? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are just like, duh. Like, why even say that out loud? So, you just know one thing I would recommend girls avoid in a guy is the inability to handle criticism. Hmm care to expound sure a lot of guys like they can't take constructive criticism and that's a huge pointer to the that they are unlikely to grow much in the future because if you can't take constructive criticism then you aren't going to improve much will you so that's something but i don't know how you can actually discover that before like you know unless you actually try criticizing someone but if someone can't like take criticism without getting very defensive and you know angry that person is immature so you should give them some more time to mature before you commit mhm oh i forgot to ask you what about if they're if they cry a lot i mean yeah, are you that's not okay that 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 means the guy is weak mm-hmm. and it depends on why they're crying you know if they lost a family member then i get it but if they're just crying because they want to uh <laughs> not really like maybe once a year or something sure but not not otherwise it's not it's not a good thing you know i want to support someone like i want to help them but it is a sign of weakness Mm. Like as a guy you should have your emotions under your control. And to cry is essentially that you have no control over them like you're overwhelmed. Do you ever cry? The last time I cried was when my grandfather died. Before that when I was when my grandma died. Mm. Before that was when I was a kid. Big occasions then. I mean like really sad occasions, loss of a family like you said. Where for me, yeah. I could be very sad, but I I don't cry, which is exactly. a weird thing. And and it's, I can it's not be like very I, sad, but I don't cry. And there was this one moment a few years back where a few kids from our college died in a car accident, and I was sad because I knew them well. And what our college did was they organized all the kids in this one stadium, and we all had to talk about our feelings, and everyone was crying. 
I'm talking all the girls, even the guys, they were crying. And I'm over here like, man, I'm so sad, but I'm not over here crying. So I had to make my face really ugly to pretend like I was crying. So I was just like, you know, because <laughs> I don't want, because people think that you're insensitive. Yeah, and there were psychologists there. There were a bunch of psychologists like sitting there, like watching our body movements. If, let's say I'm the only guy not crying. One of the kids, He's one of the, yeah, they're going to look at me. They're like, oh, this guy's like repressing something like that. Where I was sad, man. I was really sad. But just the physical act of crying hasn't been my thing. Yeah, I do. I don't get how guys like cry as if they were women, you know, like crying is a women thing. I know this one guy that cries a lot. And <laughs> it's the funniest story. So my, uh, so two of my friends, they were roommates. They were living in this place called Casa del Toro. And the guy that cries a lot, his girlfriend dumped him when she moved away. And this guy would cry all the time. While my other friend was trying to go to sleep, the crying one would stand outside the guy's door and just cry, <laughs> waiting to be consoled. And I what thought, the hell? That's so like, childish. I thought that was so strange. It does that tie back. It does tie back into your point, where when you said angry, like a guy that can't control his anger, I think that's a highly insightful point. Where to even add on to that, it's like control their emotions. Where sometimes understanding stoicism is good. I mean, you should be able to articulate your feelings, but if you're constantly just losing composure, yelling at people in sight when there's pressure, that's not a good look. Yeah, that's not good at all. Like, not, not, that's not a person who's under control. And not to tie back to the Will Smith uh, clown guy. <laughs> I'm just joking. Do but, not insert clowns like this. But what happened in that book is that he talks about his dad, who apparently had such impeccable work ethic. I mean, he could learn something just out of sheer will. But the one thing that would routinely hold his dad back was that he was a drunk, and whenever he would get drunk, he would get angry. So there was this one time he was in the military where he got so angry because a few people yelled at him that he fired a gun off in their, the place that they were living. No one got killed, but that sudden burst of anger outdid all his good work. So that's, that's what happens. Yeah, I think, moreover, I think that getting drunk kind of excavates the issue. Like it makes it worse. to ha You already don't have control over your emotions. On top of that, you're drinking. I think your controversial red flag was the short one and my controversial one was the walking slow one. Everything else seems like common sense. I don't think the short one, it's not a red flag, you know, being short. I mean, what I mean to say is that I would not prefer my daughter marrying a short guy. It's still going to be controversial because the short guys are going to be like, what was that supposed to mean? And slow walkers well, are going to hear me. It's supposed to mean that being short is inferior to being tall. I don't know how else to put it. I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, like, it's it's a matter of fact. Like, you would agree with that. So, Arman, what do you think are some red flags in women? So, hates capitalism, which normally, normally shows an entitled attitude. 
that's been my experience. And everything that I'm going to be talking about is my firsthand experience. Another one is too active on social media. I mean, if you're doing all these different trends that are on TikTok, Instagram, that typically shows you're easy to you're easy to control, easy to influence, and most likely you're a group thinker as well. Mm. I love it when, like, you know, I'm talking to someone and like they're very inactive on social media or they don't use it that much. And if they use it, it's something business related, but they're not just posting selfies left and right on it or doing these trends left and right. So, what about a woman who has a social media business? Where is she also like red flagged? No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, if you have a business, but it also depends on the kind of business where my preference is I wouldn't date someone that's, you know, showing too much of their body on social media. That's just me. And if that's how you make the money and I respect your hustle, I respect your capitalistic attitude, uh, but that's just personally for me. Um, really? No, I mean, like, if you're going to make money through capitalism, I mean, there's certain things that, like, we have to say that applies for everyone. Like, if you have a useful product and people are willing to buy it, I mean, do what you got to do. But in terms of things are much more complex when you're looking at the entire system. But do you want to marry someone like this? I mean, for me personally, no, that's a red flag. Wines a lot, wines a lot, like gossips a lot, wines a lot. They always need some form of drama. I mean, I get it. Some drama is, is sometimes needed to prevent things from going bored. But if you're always needing some sort of fucking drama, now you're hurting the ambitious nature in me, which is going to be a problem. Hmm. And what else? I mean, that's three right there. How much did you want? Five. Okay. Um, I only have three right now for the time being. Maybe I'll have two more for our next episode, Harsh. We've been going at it for some time. Cool, Arman. Then you have homework. You have to come up with two more red flags. (laughs) (laughs) Let me write that down in my agenda. (laughs) All right, Arman. This is where... Almost at 1 a.m. here in India, so I need to get some sleep. And the podcast has lasted four hours. Yes, great episode. We talked about a lot of stuff. And take care. Don't be a clown. Likewise, have a great day and don't be a clown. All right, take care. Bye-bye.